social development uh, family. We, the members are just struggling to, to lock in. Um, can I have about five minutes of your indulgence? Load shading, it's uh, um, causing havoc in some places. So if you could just bear with us, thank you. This is FISO. Good morning, Chairperson. Hi, hi Darren. Chairperson, uh, mm -hmm. yes, sorry, I was I was on the line with, with Tulani from the social development department. We're right. just trying to, to sort to sort their their um, connectivity out. Yeah. Okay, no, no. That's that's uh, I, I I I guess that's a challenge that most of the members are having. Uh, let's let's just give it about five minutes. Okay, Chair. Okay, Chair. Thank you. Are you able to hear me? Yes, you can. Okay, sharp, sharp. Then we're sorted on our side. Sharp. Okay. Okay. <clears throat>
topic. Uh, I think we can we can we can start now. Recording uh, in progress. Connectivity, connectivity is definitely wreaking havoc. Um, but that's fine. I think we 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 can now uh, 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 proceed. Uh, today we we are meeting the Department of Social Welfare and its institutions. Um, led by Oral Minister Lindy Wazulu. Uh, good morning, Minister, and you are most welcome. Deputy Minister Hopane Zulu, the, the, the acting DG, Mr. Mkunu, CEO um, of South African Social Security Agency, and the whole uh, uh, family of social welfare, you are most, you are most welcome. We are busy with the, uh, the 2022 20, <clears throat> Uh, appropriation bill, um, and as you know, uh, Minister, it's uh, one department which is very, very in, in, in important uh, to the lives and livelihoods of of of, of our people. So uh, when we deal with this uh, with this bill, uh, we, we we definitely appreciate uh, this interaction interaction with our good selves. So that we can hear about the plans, what 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 is happening, um, what has happened before, and many other things that uh, uh, pertain to your department and your institutions. You 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 are most welcome. Let me just say that the the minister has uh, <clears throat> uh, told uh, an apology. She's she's on the platform. Uh, she's having a, 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 a doctor's appointment, but thank you, Minister, for just taking time. That at least for the uh, uh, for the first part of of, of our interaction, we are we are here. Uh, Darren, can we get to the apologies? Good morning, Chairperson, Honourable Members, and Guests. Yes, uh, we received a number of apologies. Uh, the first apologies from Mr. Shaky Mam. And we have Mr. Khale, Mr. Sarupen, Mr. Matafa, and Mr. Mlenzana. Um, you've already indicated that the Minister of Social Development needs to leave the meeting early. And then I also received an apology from the Deputy Minister, Ms. Bokopane Zulu. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, thank, 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 thank you, Terry. Um, house rules. Uh, we, everyone who's talking, uh, must have his or her uh, mic on, uh, the video on, but the rest of us should mute our mics and uh, allow the uh, the speaker to take us through the presentation. Um, the department will have a, about forty five to an hour to to finish all your business, and after that. I'll allow the oral members to interact with their presentation, um, questions and comments. And then after that, uh, we'll allow uh, the department to respond uh, to those questions which, have, which would have been raised by the honorable members. Honorable Minister, um, uh, good morning. And uh, you can take us through the presentation and with you and your team. Thank you so much. Um, thank you very much, Chairperson. I'm not sure my 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 video is just blank, um, but it's on on my side, so I'm not sure what what the problem is. But uh, be that uh, 
Yeah, no, it's it's still blank, Chair. A very good morning to you, uh, Chairperson of the Standing Committee on Appropriation, uh, Comrades Fiso Butedezi, um, Honorable Members of the Standing Committee on Appropriations. I I see I heard that the the the, the Deputy Minister has tendered um, an apology. Um, Acting Director General of Social Development, Mr. Linton Mkunu, Chief Executive Officer of the South African Social Security Agency, Ms. Dodzi Memela Kambula, Acting Chief Executive Officer of the National Development Agency, Mr. Bongani Magongo, Senior Managers and Officials of the Department of Social Development and its entities, and citizens of our beautiful country called um, South Africa. Chairperson, as, the, as it was indicated earlier that I um, asked for, to leave the meeting a bit earlier, but I will also connect back again yeah, when I can. I just have not been um, well, and uh, I do want to say to members, we run around and we do the best that we can. Sometimes we ignore um, the health science members. We have to take care of our own um, uh, we have to take care of our health because I think the country needs us to be up and running and healthy as we um, do the work that has been mandated to us. I wish to thank you all for the opportunity to present the 2022 appropriation of the portfolio of social development. The portfolio consists, as you all know, of the Department of Social Development, the, social, so, the South African Social Security Agency, popularly known as SASA, and the National Development Agency, also known as the NDA. I will just make uh, some comments, Chairperson, and then I will hand over to the department, um, to the acting um, DG to uh, indicate uh, the presentation and who's going to be uh, presenting. Today's presentation will delve deep into a number of important issues that are relevant to the portfolio's allocation and planned performance for the year ahead. Short of being exhaustive of the detail that the honorable members are about to receive from the department and the two entities, the presentation will mainly provide the complete particulars that relate to one, the budgetary implications on the implementation of our programs for the benefit of all South Africans, Two, the insights that are relevant to the implementation of the prominent and innovative COVID-19 social relief of distress, which we normally we refer to as SRD grant by SASA, including matters that are connected to the recently gazetted regulations for the continued implementation of this grant, as well as the sufficiency or otherwise of the proposed allocation of 44 billion for the extension of this grant type until March 2023. And of course, this is one of the issues that were raised uh, by the committee itself, wanting to know whether that amount of money is adequate uh, for this SRD. Three, a detailed analysis of the adequacy or otherwise of the proposed allocation of 1.6 billion towards the introduction of the extended child support grant for orphans who are in the care of relatives. Three, four, the portfolio's contribution towards South Africa's economic and social reconstruction and recovery on the back of the advent of COVID-19, the July um, 2021 unrest, and of course, the recently 
and recently the unseasonable and severe weather systems that are adversely affecting our communities and economy, the inevitability of climate change in induced weather systems, and the resulting shocks, disasters, and emergencies are nudging us all, all of us, to consider instruments that will protect our people. And of course, Chair, I do want to indicate here that as a Department of Social Development, we are raising this issue of the weather patterns and the shocks that are happening. And we are saying as a department from an interdepartmental and coordinated approach in supporting our people, but we are also making the call to our own people too, to be conscious of these changes and help us and so that we can help them in the change of the, 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 the weather patterns so that the impacts that we have seen do not follow us and we see the same patterns happening in years to come. This is a responsibility both of government, of a society overall, and our communities uh, uh, too. Five, the implications of the declaration of the Supreme Court of Appeal and the decision of the Constitutional Court relative to the Preferential Procurement Policy Framework Act uh, regulations, and I think members would really continue to look into this themselves as we do the same. I, I, I reiterate that the Department of Social Development remains committed to the improvement of the state of our people through one, engendering active citizenship in program conceptualization and implementation. The case in point is the active implementation of our programs through the cabinet adopted district development model Two, adopting program-led innovations that take our services to the people as well as enhance the human level usefulness and relevance of these services. And three, intentionally establishing partnerships whose outcome will be growing the resource base from which our people's felt needs will be addressed without necessarily taking from this fiscus. This includes innovatively streamlining private sector contribution towards tackling social ills while creating new and sustainable jobs. Honorable Chairperson and members, the allocation to the Department of Social Development for the 2022-23 financial year, namely 257 billion constitutes 13.1% of the government's global estimated budget of 1.957 trillion. This makes our allocations government's third largest budget, 248 billion of this, or 99.6% is government's investments towards the provision of social grants to more than 18 million beneficiaries, which this government, the government of the African National Congress has done without fail since it was introduced. Compared to 25, Compared to 2021-22, the major budget reductions that we are experiencing in our current allocation will affect our ability to employ social service professionals that are chronic shortage, that are in chronic shortage in our communities. These reductions will also impede our ability to fund nonprofit organizations, NPOs, that by virtue of the invaluable work that they carry out are the extension of the state's capacity to address the multiplicity of social ills that are our communities endure needlessly. 
with the termination of the national disaster, national state of disaster that started in March 2020 in accordance with the Disaster Management Act, the departments innovated and implemented the, the department innovated and implemented the COVID-19 SID grant. When we terminated the national state of disaster last month in April, the effectiveness and relevance of the provisions of the Disaster Management Act ceased. This necessitated the continued provision of this grant in terms of the Social Assistance Act of 2004. The lessons we learned from the earlier iterations of implementing the COVID-19 SRD grant strongly dictate that we ought to strengthen the fraud prevention system for this grant. Primarily for this reason, we encourage all previously qualifying beneficiaries to, beneficiaries to reapply for this iteration of the grant, and they will be assessed and validated as provided in the regulations that we published under the Social Assistance Act. Chair, I do want to indicate here that uh, we understand and appreciate the delays in terms of ensuring that this money is paid. But at the same time, we also have to be conscious of the fact that we have people who are still applying, people who are still wanting to receive this grant, when in fact some of them have gone back uh, 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 to work. Against the allocated 44 billion, we are expecting to bring the COVID-19 SID grant to 10.5 million eligible persons on a monthly basis, and thereby enabling them to cushion their families against the harsh effects of unemployment and poverty. Without a doubt, a larger allocation would have enabled us to provide this much needed buffer to, to more qualifying applicants. The department will be implementing the extended child support grant pursuant of the realizing our commitment to formulate a comprehensive legal solution to the foster care challenges. And this is also another matter that was raised by yourselves, uh, committee chairperson with your members. Without the need to go through the children's court process, the relatives that care for orphan children can apply for the extended child support grant of 720 rands per child per month. We estimate that during the 2022-23 financial year, over 191,000 qualifying relatives will receive this grant. Having orphan children cared for by relatives does not only relieve the pressure of our specialized facilities, it, also socially it is also socially desirable for a socialization point of view. Honorable Chairperson and members, the department and its entities are required to make economically significant as well as qualitatively meaningful contributions towards key policy process such as the economic reconstruction and recovery plan and putting South Africa to work proposals. As a portfolio, we also contribute to the social compacting processes that are easing the relations between different social partners and enhancing cooperation for shared economic growth and common prosperity. Efforts at intentionally linking grant beneficiaries with certain attributes to economic participation opportunities, especially through entrepreneurship, is, a, is desirable for everyone. We are not just a department that is a, a, a focus on consumption. We are also looking at how our communities and members of our communities can be assisted and empowered, empowered to also take care of themselves. In particular, 
We are drawing attention to the immediate economic value that civil society organizations and the social economy are adding towards the realization of resilient communities and productive local economies. The department and its entities will also elaborate their analysis of the, of the impl implications of the constitutional court judgment that was handed down a few months ago relative to the Preferential Procurement Policy Framework Act regulations in the matter of Minister of Finance versus Afri Business MCP. We are concerned, uh, Honorable Chairperson, that nothing must be delayed and must nothing must be uh, not done in terms of empowering our people. And the economic empowerment, Chairperson, is one of those um, important areas of work that we need to make sure happens so that our people can feel that they not only have political freedom, but they also have economic freedom. We all ought to be cognizant of the fact that the sustained conflict in Europe not only increases the cost of basic food items and energy sources, particularly for ordinary South Africans, but it diminishes their security of livelihood and basic provisions. Remote as we may think we are from Europe, where I've just come back recently, this, this very conflict is bringing the possibility of exterminating the very life in our people into their homes. Inevitably, this serves the, to heighten the need to strengthen social development interventions towards protecting the state of our people from further deterioration. Honorable Chair, with your permission, please allow me to ask the department and its entities to present the relevant details that emanate from the 2022 appropriation bill and the letter that we received requesting us to be here. And honorable chairperson and honorable members, please receive the department's presentation on the 2020-2022 appropriation bill for your due consideration and engagement. I thank you, chairperson. Thank, thank you so much, Honorable uh, 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 Minister and Abizid. Um, <clears throat> because you, you had said that you, you will be leaving. I don't know whether you, you let us know before you leave or you'll, you, you, you'll just leave. Um, what, what, in, in one of, of the two options, it's, it's, it's open. But uh, perhaps let me take this opportunity before your uh, management uh, uh, comes in, just to say thank you. Thank you very much for always uh, honoring uh, invitations to the uh, uh, to the committee one because of the role that this department uh, plays in the society as we have uh, eloquently uh, <clears throat> indicated uh, but also uh, the importance of the department in the economy of this country uh, the importance of uh, the, the the department as far as the budget that we are, we are dealing with the appropriation that we are dealing with we really appreciate it and uh, we know that you have not been feeling well uh, from our side you can go and 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 uh, make sure that by a clinic so that we can we, we, we can continue relying on your good self as we uh, <clears throat> serve the people of south africa but thank you very much uh, on, on honorable minister and uh, i'm sure your team will be able to take us uh, through the rest of the presentation Chair, a very good morning uh, to you and honourable members. I'm not sure if I'm audible um, and yes. visible. 
Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Um, let me just try and get a bit close. Is that better, Honorable Chair? Much better. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members. A very good morning to you. Let me greet my Minister and uh, the Deputy Minister as well uh, in the in the meeting. And uh, thank you very much for this opportunity, Honorable Chair. Um, and um, Minister has really provided a wonderful platform for us to be able to come in and talk through the presentation uh, that we will uh, uh, present to uh, this very important committee this morning. Uh, I'd just like to check, Honorable Chair, whether the uh, slides will be shared by the Secretariat uh, or whether we should do it. I just need guidance on that matter. Erin? Erin? I, I think... I think so person, uh, the, yes. uh, the department should uh, manage yes, the presentation space. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. It's okay. I'll do it. Before, before you, you proceed, uh, 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 Minister, are you still on the platform? Uh, yes, Chairperson, I'm still on the platform. I was just about to indicate that I will leave at um, 9.45, but I will, I, will, I will be on the road to the doctor, so I'll be on the platform until such time that I'm not able to. Yes, but can I, Thank then, you. before I let you go, uh, uh, mm -hmm. Minister, here's the question for you. Um, we we see that the the, the DGs is is acting, and uh, the view that we take uh, from the committee is that uh, um, it's 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 um, it has got a lot of risk. Let me put it that way. When when are you feeling the position of the DG? Uh, thank you, Chairperson. We we uh, thank you, Chairperson. We are doing our best to now advertise for all the posts. We wanted to fill the, the post of the DDGs and then the one of the DG. I think the DG himself can answer the question in terms of the process of advertising and all, because from my side, I've already indicated long that this post needs to be advertised. Okay, thanks. The other posts of the DDGs have been advertised, have been shortlisted, so we will go through that process. And it's now the DG himself can indicate the timelines for for the for the acting DG can can indicate the timelines for the for the DG post. Okay, thank you, thank you, uh, uh, Minister. Um, you 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 would note that uh, we really would love uh, these positions to be filled so that we don't have people acting uh, with no certainty about their responsibilities. Okay, but one, yeah. Thank you very much. Sorry, sorry honourable chair. Oh, okay. Thank, thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Just a second. Um, if, uh, if, uh, just hold this, Honorable Paiso. Okay. Yes, uh, Honorable Chair, I just want to check. Uh, perhaps this one is also important just before the minister leaves. Because it was a matter which was on the media, uh, of which uh, even Kosati was so critical about it. Um, the issue of you know varying the amounts of payments of the grants of uh, and the issue of age uh, so i don't know whether should we talk about it we should yeah, leave it to the teacher no no if, if you no, think the, that the minister should assist us on that particular question yeah please uh, um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll allow that one Rabul, uh, uh, um can you can you repeat the question I mean, so that means i can 
get the question exactly right we asking yes I'm, I'm i'm saying chair there was a matter which uh, was you know was in the public domain uh, mainly brought also by kosatu <clears throat> around the issue of uh, payments and of uh, uh, the 350 uh, grants, uh, which seem to have been varied uh, uh, as opposed to previously uh, in terms of the limit. So uh, then COSAT was very critical to that, you know, in terms of why, because of poverty and unemployment and, you know, the, it, it is far below uh, 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 poverty line in terms of uh, yeah yeah so uh, I just want to know because now it, it was issue that was said uh, treasury uh, was it treasury was I mean social development has changed uh, okay. so we could not get the clarity as to what has actually happened so we wanted to get it from the ministry how what is an issue around that so that we are able to explain as a, as a community to understand uh, okay. that matter okay uh, our minister i think uh, <clears throat> what, 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 what was the issue what was the issue around that and uh, how has it been attended to can we have um, thank you very much uh, th thank you chairperson uh, firstly i think um the presentation itself uh, coming from the department, and in particular from Sasa, will indicate with regard to the 350. But I do want to indicate to the honorable, to honorable guy so that there's been no change in terms of the 350. We're still paying the 350, and also the 350 must be separated from the rest of the, the, the social grants that the department has been paying, because this one was specifically for cushioning our people from the COVID-19, those that had lost their jobs. I also want to add, Chairperson, that when uh, Honorable Kaiso speaks about a below poverty line, yes, I agree with him in terms of the 350, but it must be understood to have been something that's specifically there for the period uh, COVID-19 and responding to uh, COVID-19. It is not like all the other social grants that have been paid. And therefore, if the honorable member could please, um, as the department is, pay, is, is making the presentation, they will make the difference between the SRD 350, which was there only for uh, uh, for the for the for the period of COVID-19 extended until next year. Uh, 2023 uh, March, but maybe the honourable member might also be interested in just following up with regard to our other program, which um, not program, our policy approach of the basic income grant, which is still a discussion that is on ongoing. And therefore, if there is also a need for us to further explain, Chairperson, I think we can do that to other organizations that might not necessarily be having an appreciation of this. But I think that today will enable uh, those that do not understand what it is. They will get the understanding when the department and SASA makes the presentation. Thank you, Chairperson. Much appreciated, uh, Honorable Minister. Uh, Martin, please continue. Uh, uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Um, uh, this is certainly a, a, a matter that we will also deal with in the presentation, as the minister has indicated. 
Um, I'm going to kindly request the secretariat to allow me to share the screen of the presentation um, so, so, so we can get into, um, into the presentation quite quickly. Let me just see. Um, whilst I'm, I'm there, Honorable Chair, um, I just wanted to indicate that um, um, we, we have, um, but Brenda will talk a little bit more in detail, um, uh, together with Diane and, and Brenton, we have met with COSATU and um, civil society organizations to explain this issue, uh, and I think there was a level of understanding uh, in so far as why we had to um, uh, put the uh, the cost, uh, or rather the threshold, uh, at the amount that we've put it in, uh, and uh, in the main it was because uh, of the very limited finances that we received. But uh, we will go into into greater detail uh, with regards to that on the actual presentation, uh, honourable chair. If I may, then uh, just uh, take you through to the first slide um, on the presentation. I'm just. Uh, if I could kindly just get an indication whether it's showing now on the screen. Uh, it is showing. Okay, thank, thank you, Chair. Let me just, from current slide. Um, yeah, well, well, thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Chair, let me perhaps start uh, by rendering an apology uh, to yourself and the Honorable Members of the Committee. We were due to submit this presentation to you last week, Friday. Uh, and um, we submitted it uh, earlier this week. Uh, and I must really tender my apology um, uh, in that regard uh, for the late submission. Um, and thank you for accepting uh, the presentation in that regard. We had some serious communication challenges internally, uh, but we eventually managed to deal with it. I did speak to the Secretary uh, personally even about that matter. I thought it was important that I just render that apology uh, to yourself and the honorable members uh, this morning. Chair, you've obviously uh, you've called us uh, as the department, as the minister has indicated, to really unpack a number of areas, particularly dealing uh, with the allocation for the MTF, which is around 711 billion rands. Um, and a bulk of which obviously goes towards the social grants, um, uh, general social grants, but also in the current financial year, uh, 44 billion being allocated towards the 350 grant um, in its third iteration um, uh, this current year, of course, which comes to an end in March uh, 2022, as the President has directed. Uh, and of course, we'll also talk a little bit about a number of other important areas that the Minister has already outlined, uh, in including our contribution to the ERRP and Triple uh, BEE and localization of goods and services, uh, just to indicate that um, uh, what we didn't exactly go into detail in the presentation on on this particular matter is that we are participating uh, in the presidential employment stimulus package um, program which is run by the presidency um, and we can give the figures um, as we go on as the CFO deals with uh, the cost implications but in the main for three uh, for three areas one uh, we've just concluded the area around ECD uh, which has now been taken over by basic education um, the Department of Basic Education and we've been prioritizing um, the support to ECD um, uh, 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 practitioners 
um, but also we've um, we've done a volunteer program through our national development agency and as well as um, social workers the employment of social workers those are the three focus areas of course with the new iteration coming up of the presidential employment stimulus package we may add one or two uh, in addition to that uh, in particular we're looking at new areas such as social entrepreneurship as an important aspect and of course the minister also highlighted the importance of linking um, uh, beneficiaries particularly of the 350 grant to employment opportunities and we're starting to explore a number of avenues working with private sector in this regard and how we can take out uh, those social grant uh, recipients uh, into formal employment opportunities we're also expanding the work that we're doing around uh, the social sector with regards to EPWP and I think we've surpassed our targets in the past two years or so uh, in this regard and we want to expand it a little further even looking at new areas of collaboration or, um, or rather of um, of, um, of, um, of participation within this space but also uh, our improvements in so far as um, uh, the stimulation and assistance in terms of funding as well for uh, NGOs uh, but also um, uh, within the context as the Minister has indicated of, uh, of social compacting. <clears throat> Just to indicate that uh, on the slide, uh, Honourable Chair, um, of course we deal with, this is essentially the questions that the Chair has asked that we deal with. Just uh, on this slide very quickly, um, and then I'll ask uh, the CFO to come in. So here we provide a, essentially just the mandates of the department, uh, really focusing on welfare and social services, and I think what uh, the chair has indicated uh, or the minister has also indicated in her remarks the extent to which we actually also provide support within the economic space uh, uh, economically and so far as job creation is, is, is concerned uh, we like to call it the key economy uh, through the support that we provide to uh, NGOs um, but also beyond that in terms of some of the new areas that we are contributing in um, uh, including the EPWP area so we are, we are focusing yes in terms of our mandates on welfare and social services but there's a very strong element of, um, of economic development, uh, particularly as it relates to job creation, that we are also very involved in as a department, together with our agency, uh, um, uh, the National Development Agency. So um, really, our, um, we are really interested in the well-being of people uh, and improving the quality of life uh, for all individuals to ensure that they have become self-reliant, uh, as the minister has also indicated. Of course, COVID-19 has had a very serious impact on our work, and we've had to adapt and certainly innovate some of our programs uh, for enhanced visibility, reliance and um, responsiveness to people's uh, lived realities and the felt needs, what we like to call the felt needs during um, these extraordinary times. And of course, we've had to review our service delivery models in some aspects uh, to adapt to the current dispensation that we're in, uh, particularly around digitization uh, and augmenting uh, or automating some of our services um, so that it's much easier for people to get to get to our services and of course this has come at major budgetary implications uh, for us as well but of course we're also highlighting that there's a rise in social ills uh, uh, including areas of poverty uh, and uh, slow economic growth etc uh, we have really contributed to areas of unemployment and the loss of livelihoods for millions of people so uh, the demand for social uh, for the social service sector on the whole has really increased um, uh, with uh, the, 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 com the combination of slow economic growth, the combination of unemployment and, of course, COVID-19. And now, as the minister has, has indicated, the major challenges that are also uh, affecting climate change uh, have become the sort of new challenges that we are facing and having to really find a way of adapting. And we are looking
looking at various ways around how together with the various players we can improve our response as a social development sector as it relates to um, uh, uh, climate change and, and disasters uh, and I'm talking more so here within the recent context of KZN, uh, the Eastern Cape and the Western Cape. Um, so we, we are looking at enhancing our response there. Now Chair, the extension of the um, special COVID-19 grant of course um, uh, which is a social relief of distress has proved uh, has provided us rather with an opportunity to look at fundamental social security reforms including the basic income grant for those um, for those without income between the ages of 18 and 59. And as you know, Chair, there are serious gaps in this space. So we are busy exploring uh, resource mobilization um, and uh, implementation models that will ensure that we are able to bring this BIG into effect as soon as possible, uh, or basic income support, rather. Uh, uh, in the main, because uh, that's means tested. Uh, but of course, uh, just to highlight a very important aspect, we are taking the um, the green paper on uh, comprehensive social security reforms um, uh, to cabinet very soon um, uh, for further uh, you know deliberation on this matter regarding the basic income grant or what we would like to call the basic income support, particularly for the age groups uh, of 18 to 59, so we can close that gap um, uh, as soon as possible. So. Just uh, also, uh, the minister highlighted uh, uh, the fact that we remain committed to a number of areas, particularly around uh, innovation and investing, um, uh, or rather our, uh, increasing our investments and interventions in response to the challenges of poverty, inequality, and job creation, uh, including uh, the recent threats of climate change, as I've already indicated, and social ills, particularly with regards to gender-based violence and femicide, and you would have seen, um, uh, you, you know, the, the serious challenges that we face even in this area. We have pushed to, um, to augment funding, uh, uh, particularly within the space, and um, one of the things, I don't know if you say it in the presentation, is the fact that we've even managed to lobby for funding outside, um, uh, for example, through the CARA funds, through the Department of Justice, about 100 million runs that we've been able to, uh, to get um, uh, so that we're able to further and enhance the role of NGOs uh, in the space of gender-based violence and femicide. But of course, also substance abuse and gangsterism have become serious challenges. And of course, um, uh, you know, um, uh, a number of other social ills that we continue to work on. Um, and then... Um, we, we, I've already indicated the work that we do in the context in which we do it, um, perhaps just to uh, emphasize the fact that uh, over and above the resources that we have, we are working with um, um, different stakeholders, both within the private sector uh, and the uh, civil society uh, and other sectors of society, so that we are able to augment uh, funding um, uh, uh, in those areas where we are not able to uh, to have fun uh, to to have adequate funding. And this has begin has begun to prove, uh, rather, is beginning to show uh, the importance of partnerships uh, with various players, uh, not just from a financial perspective, but also also from a technical uh, support perspective in terms of how we are able to, to work together. Chair, at this point, I'm going to ask for Fanny to come in and um, we'll share the presentation amongst about three or four of us. Um, and then immediately after that, Brenda, uh, then Diane, then Brenton. So Fanny, if you could take over from this slide moving forward, please, I'd appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, DG, and good morning, honorable members, honorable chairperson, minister. Um, I hope I'm audible. Uh, just in terms of the allocations that you would receive additional uh, for this financial year, uh, we all know about this the 44 billion that was received additional for the extension of the 350 grant. That's only in the one financial year. 
The other two financial years, the small amounts that you see there, the 6.1 billion and the 8.4 billion, it's a correction that the National Treasury did inflationary increases. Remember the 21-22 financial year, they cut us significantly and they were looking to balance the fiscus and the, the only opportunity for them was to cut on the social grant budget in the previous financial year, so they have corrected this, this baseline allocation to ensure that our social assistance remains uh, inflationary increases over the MTF period. Then on our compensation of employees, uh, we received a small amount of 11.4 million additional, um, that is for our once-off uh, cost of living adjustments that was given to all levels in government. All departments received a small allocation and this is what they've given us. Then just in terms of the baseline reductions, um, the, some of the small ones that you see there is because of the, uh, the, the shift to basic education. We've admitted to, to shift those three organizations uh, to basic education. This is where they had to cut. And this is the amount that was included in the part of basic education. And then there was a small adjustment of one billion rand also that they did for this financially in terms of this. So that brings the total for this uh, this is allocation to 257 billion uh, in the one year, then it goes down to 221 and 232 because the 44 billion is only for one year in terms of this. We don't have indication whether the 350 will be extended in the outer financial years, but that's why there's a, such a huge increase in the first year. Um, just in terms of the, the next slide. <coughs> yeah, this, no, the next slide, DG, thanks. You can see uh, that you, our allocations is very small uh, in terms of inflationary increases for our various programs, uh, administration. This is where all our support services, support services is allocated. Allocation there is 420 million. Then our social assistance is the 248 billion. The social security program this is where our SASA administration uh, is allocated of that amount, uh, almost 7. Point Five billion goes to SASA administration. Under welfare services, you would recall in the previous financial year that we had an allocation of about a billion rand, which went for the conditional grant of the ECD. That has, in essence, now been shifted to basic education, and therefore the amount that allocated now for welfare services for normal operational things. However, there is allocations also for that we fund our national councils to the amount of about 40 million. We also then, um, uh, no, sorry, it's in the next program on social policy, the 359 million that's allocated there, part of that allocation goes to our NDA, uh, that's about 220 million that will be transferred in terms of this. Uh, then in terms of the, the total allocation over the MTF period, Chairperson, the, if we compare that to the previous financial year, we know that we have presented last year in terms of the impacts that we had in the, in the significant cuts that we had in the 21-22 financial year. I see the DJ has also spoken that in the opening in terms of this. So yes, we were cut significantly, one, on our compensation of employees. The amount um, accumulates to about 225 million over the MTF period. So we will lose significant number of posts in, in this area. Um, we have got significant saving of, 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 of um, vacancies currently, so we have to 
look at which post we can actually fill uh, over the MTF period, given our current vacancies. Then there's also impact uh, of our service, social service professionals. Um, there's also much needed uh, in uh, funding required in terms of our NPO sector. Uh, we've not cut as much in terms of our NPO sector. I think the provinces was mostly uh, significantly cut, but on national side there was a few billions that was cut in terms of our national councils. So that's got an impact also on our deployment of our digital prevention programs. Then also, because we were cut in our operational costs for our goods and services, I think it was about 90 million that was cut over the MTF period, so that's got an impact in our community empowerment services, where we as National DSD is supposed to be visible in our provinces, giving guidance in terms of leading and policy, so we also had to really look at how we could streamline our um, visibility in provinces. Then also the issues on the provide food. Um, some of these functions is now in the provinces, but it also had an impact on how we, we deal with the terms of this. I think, Chair, this is in terms of uh, the, the allocations. Thank you, Chair. Thank, yeah, thank you very much, uh, DG. Um, good morning, Chairperson and honorable members. Um, greetings also to Minister and DM in absentia and my colleagues that are also on the platform. With regards to the to the the, the regulations that were that were developed with, um, for the 350 grant, uh, Minister has already spoken to some of the issues, so I'll not repeat a lot of it, other than to confirm that uh, we had to do regulations in terms of the Social Assistance Act uh, because the disaster management legislation could no longer be uh, applied, and also that um, based what we did in developing the regulations was we, we actually worked from the previously existing social relief of distress policy. We, we borrowed some of the provisions from that, but also migrated some of the provisions that had been in the SRD grant um, or the under the disaster legislation in order to be able to implement the final, the, the third iteration of the legislation. The speakers to just identify themselves in name, surname and designation. Um, the, you, 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 had, right. you had that. Um, uh, yes, I heard that. Thank you. Please, please help. Them. Yes. I'll, <laughs> but I'll start there. My name is Brenda Sibeko. I'm the DDG for Comprehensive Social Security at the department. So, uh, all right. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Sure. All right, so, so this slide is really, has really been covered by a minister. Uh, the allocation that we got in the third iteration is for, is, 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 um, for, for, for 10.5 million people. However, by the, uh, by the close of the, la the second iteration of the 350 grant, we had already at that stage approved 10.9 million people. And then there's, uh, we still have 1.1 million appeals to be, uh, around 1 million appeals to be finalized. So we expect that we might be around 11 million uh, uh, applications that we have to deal with, that we dealt, dealt with in the previous iteration. Uh, and we expect that it's likely to increase quite significantly. Um, it will start slow, but then it will increase fairly quickly by, 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 by the end of the financial year. Can you move to the next slide, please, DG? 
Um, in terms of the, the provisions of the legislation, we borrowed quite a lot, as I said, from the, uh, f uh, f from the previous one, and we took some of the lessons from there. In particular, the grant now is also going to be done uh, uh, digitally, so we continue with the digital application process, and we, we allow people to have options. The, the WhatsApp channel and the website uh, are already in place. The SASA mobile app is still in development. We hope that it will be completed fairly quickly so that that's another platform through which people can apply. And then we've introduced a screening questionnaire uh, which allows us to get to know our clients a little, a little bit more. So some of the information that we're asking, some of it is quite was also in the previous one, such as ID numbers, names, addresses, and so on. But we're also asking educational details. And then we've also asked for an expanded declaration of consent form so that we are able to, to get a better sense, of, to, to also be able to use the information to, to enable the, the participants to have other opportunities and also for us to understand the families uh, a bit more than just getting to know just the, the applicant themselves. Uh, we're also asking for banking details so that we can speed up payment once people have given us their banking details. And then we've also included questions on uh, whether the, when the client last worked, uh, how clients usually sustain themselves, and whether they're employed or receiving any other forms of income. These questions are really important questions for us in order to uh, for us to identify other ways of, of, of augmenting the support that they are getting through the 350 grant. Next slide, DJ. In terms of the um, the way in which we'll be validating, uh, we, we're using some of the data channels that we're already using, such as the Population Register, SOCPEN, SARS, IDA, IRPF5 information, the UIF, NASFAS, PESAL, and so on. But we've added, in addition to that now, the, the means testing through the banks. Although we were means testing before, now um, I'll explain in the next slide how this has changed, DG. So, so in the in the previous iteration, we we did bank verifications only for people who were appealing. Uh, because um, the, the, the primary focus was to be providing to people who are unemployed and therefore we're using all of those databases in order to be able to identify them. However, in the new iteration, what we'd like to do is to means test every single applicant. So um, we've, we've in the regulations included a new definition of income uh, or rather for, for in, which we call insufficient means. We clarify what it means, uh, what insufficient means mean, means. So um, in this regard, we will be using, we will be taking into account all forms of income, uh, including support from families. This is, of course, not very popular, and part of the reason is that uh, we have. We, we have not done it before, but we think in, the, in this iteration it's important primarily because of the sort of uh, financial constraint that we have. Uh, there's significant implementation risk in this because uh, we haven't done it before at the last scale, and we, we have been struggling a bit to get agreements with all of the banks so that we can uh, actually implement the, the means testing through the banks. Uh, we are busy with those negotiations and we're hoping to sign them very soon. Um, the threshold previously this is the question that the honorable member was asking at the beginning. Uh, the threshold for the previous iteration was really around just unemployed people and you know, using the databases. Now, um, what we are wanting to do is uh, to set that we have set the threshold for, for, for income at 350 rand. Um, 
the explanation for this is that um, in the in, in, in the previous iteration, we we were using the food poverty line of. Uh, 595 as an income threshold to check those people who appealed, who were rejected because of being on any of the databases. When we were then checking to confirm whether or not, in fact, they, they deserve the grant, we would then go and look at their income and we would then test them at the check for anyone who, whose income is below the 595. Um, in the current iteration, because of the allocation, we have now reduced that means test, the, the income threshold to 350 rent. Um, so that we can reduce the number of people who will be, who can really come within the allocation. Uh, of course, the intent is to review it over time to see based on uh, how many people who are then reaching in terms of the number of so people for whom we are able to fund the 350 grant. We are somewhat concerned, but we will see as, as, as we do the means test whether in fact this pans out um, that the, the, there might be a negative impact on the budget if we are using the 350 uh, means test. Because in the previous iteration, we, we had quite a high number of exclusion errors arising from the fact that we were, we were just looking at those databases and not looking at income in the bank accounts. Um, and then we had fewer, to our mind, inclusion errors in that process. But once you start looking at the banks themselves directly, they, we think that information there is much more accurate than the, relying on the databases because a lot of the databases have a different, are not, a lot of them are not up to, like fresh up to date. So in some instances there might be people who are there who should not be there or people who are, who are not there who should be there and, and because of those things uh, they're less reliable than the means test by taking through the bank accounts themselves. That being the case, we think that if we then uh, have more accuracy, we might actually find that there are more uh, people who qualify, which might then have a negative impact on the budget. But uh, we are hoping that we will implement it now. And if you continue at scale, we expect that as we improve, really, then we'll find that we actually don't need the, the other databases as much because the banking information will be much more reliable to say whether or not somebody has income. Next slide, please, DG. Um, in terms of the, the, the other provisions in the regulations, we have now also added a, a requirement for clients to confirm whether or not they still need the grant every three months. This is a provision that was in the previous uh, social relief of distress provisions prior to the implementation of the COVID grant, and we've thought that we should migrate it into these new provisions, uh, primarily to enable SASA to check uh, on the client's status, uh, which may have, which we may not necessarily be able to access easily or, or get through the banks only, but also to encourage more active engagement between the client and SASA so that those who, are, who don't require the grant have newly got themselves a job can then indicate that they don't need the grant anymore or, or, or whether that, that they still do need the grant. Of course, this is not a popular regulation, but we have added it there to enable us to have a better uh, contact and, and be able to assist the clients in a more comprehensive way. 
Uh, also, we have added another condition, which has, which is to, to require clients to not refuse to accept employment or educational opportunities. So because we've also asked questions around whether they are working, where they were last working, how there are any income and so on, we'll have a better grasp of those who might be able to be placed into employment, uh, into employment. And we are also working then with, uh, with uh, SASA at least is working now with uh, the Department of Public Works and also the Department of Employment of Labor to share databases and to uh, enable these uh, grant beneficiaries to be possibly linked to other job opportunities that might be uh, available through the DP, the, the Department of Public Works or even through the Department of Employment of Labor. Hence the need for us to be engaging with them on an ongoing basis and also for them to then not unreasonably refuse. So if we are able to link them, we require then that the beneficiary would in fact accept those job opportunities that we are able to link them to. Next slide, TJ. Of course, the, the allocation minister has already referred to and, and the, the CFO, 44 billion, it's only sufficient for 10.5 million people for the period of 12 years, 12 months that we have. Um, and in the previous iteration, we already had uh, 10.9 million appro approved up, uh, beneficiaries and we still have the one million appeals to be to be dealt with so of course this means that uh, the current allocation is less uh, or gives us money for less uh, beneficiaries than what we're already providing for in terms of the survey data that we have there are 13.4 million people with no income and 18.3 million who are before, below the food poverty line unemployment trends themselves are not uh, very rosy there's, in terms of the narrow de definition, 7.9 million people who are unemployed. And then if we use the, the, the expanded definition, we have already 11.7 million people who are unemployed. So, so if we just take that number, 11.7 million people under the expanded definition, the allocation that we have is only for 10.5 million people. This is why we have been forced in a way to find additional restrictions so that we can remain within the, the allocation that we have. Next slide, DJ. So this is the, if you, if we just look at the trends now, quarter three of 2021 and quarter four of 2021, we will see that uh, in that period, the number of uh, employed people increased to the, an additional 262,000 jobs created. However, when you look at unemployment in the same period, uh, 279,000 more people became unemployed between the two quarters. So the number of jobs that have been, in, that have been created in that period have been less than uh, the number of people who have the, the, the growth in unemployment in a way. So this is really worrisome for us. Um, but given that the allocation we have is only for the 10.5 million people, we have then tried to find ways of really prioritizing the most vulnerable people. We realize that people who are living before, below the food poverty line are extremely vulnerable. But even within that context, we've had to prioritize among vulnerable people and go for the most vulnerable, those who with income of less than 350 rand in order to be able to stay within the 44 billion allocation. It's worrisome, but um, we are hoping that we can, as, as, as we continue with the grants, with the, with the applications and the verification, we'll keep track to see that we are at least making sure that we do not go below the 10.5 million people. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank, thank you very much, uh, Chair. I'm going to ask Diane to introduce herself uh, and then talk to the slide, please. Thank you, DG. Good morning, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members. 
I'm going to just talk a little, sorry, I am Diane Dunkley. I'm in the grants administration space at SASA. And I'm going to just talk on where we are with the implementation of the grant for the extended period from April, um, April 22, as announced in the State of the Nation address. Where we are currently, we've got 10.2 million applications that have been received from South African citizens, permanent residents and refugees, and we've received a further 16,786 16, from asylum seekers and special permit holders. So we're sitting at 10.250 million applications as at middle May. By the end of April, after having had the application channels opened for just a week, we had already received 8.1 million applications. Now, as Mr. Becker had already said, all grants would be means tested in this cycle. Um, and, and so what we're testing for is whether there is an inflow of more than 350 rand into a bank account linked to that applicant in the month preceding the month that they've done an application. So we look at information for March to determine April's applications. Um, we do get this information from the banks the information we get from the banks is limited. They don't say to us, this person had an inflow of 395 rand coming from a, a, a brother or a relative or a, a deposit that was made. They can only give us information to say, yes, there is income or an inflow into the account of more than 350 or less than 350. And this is how we will apply the means test. We are busy with the finalization of the contracting with the banks. There were a number of things that we had to do before we could finalize the contracts with the banks, including getting concurrence from both our minister as well as the Minister of Finance. These were all received by the end of April and we're now finalizing the contracts with the banks. We're hoping to sign by the end of this month and then we will be in a, pro in a, a situation to be able to um, start with the means testing. So we are on track for the validations and then the first payments for the applications received from April to start during June. As soon as the other grants have been paid, we always try and separate the payment of our, our other social grants and the 350 grant just to try and spread the cues um, that not everybody is trying to access money at the same time. Thanks, TG. Then um, this just gives a further breakdown in terms of the 10.2 million applications that we've received per province and per gender, as well as per age group. Um, and a very important thing to, to just take note of is that the majority, and it's about 60% of the applications are for people aged between 18 and 35. And I think this speaks to some of the unemployment um, data that, that Ms. Becker was talking about. It also speaks, it just confirms what we already know is that the unemployment amongst the youth or the young people in this country is certainly higher than anywhere else. Um, so this just gives a provincial breakdown for members to have a look at. And then the next slide, DG, gives a further breakdown of the kind of data that we collect around the educational level of applications, of applicants that apply for this grant. Um, of concern around the education level, as you can see, we've got about 5 million people who have tertiary, uh, five, sorry, 509,000 people who have tertiary education. And these are really disillusioned young people in the main 
who have got qualifications, they've been to school and still are not able to be employed. But by, by far the majority are people who've completed either grade 10 or completed grade 12 and are sitting without employment. The last um, schedule that just gives an indication of the employment history of the applicants. And, and we were trying to get an indication of which people are currently working and it, the, the 269,000 that are indicated there does not necessarily mean that they do not qualify for the grant. Some of these people who indicate that they are currently working are doing peace jobs and do not get more than 350 rand a month. So it was really just trying to get an indication and get a better picture of the people um, that have applied for the grant particularly as we look at, at longer-term policy decisions that would need to be made around how we would be bringing in basic income support going forward. Thank you so much, DG. Thank you, members. Thank you, Honourable Chair, and thank you, Diane. And then I'm going to ask Brenton to come in on this slide. Brenton, if you can introduce yourself. Good, good morning, um, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members, Minister. Um, and good morning to my colleagues in DSD and, and the agencies. My name is Brenton van Frieda. I'm the Executive Manager for Grant Operations at, at SASA. I'm going to just take us through the next two slides, which looks at the costing for the CSG top-up. As one of the questions was whether or not we'll have a sufficient budget for, this, for, the, uh, for the CSG top-up that we'll be implementing uh, this year. Uh, so just to give a sense of how we... Uh, we costed this. We we basically looked at all the. Um, we did quite a deep analysis of the general household surveys um, uh, over the last five years. Also looking at the the, the sort of administrative data from SASA on the trends on the foster care grant as well as on the CSG grant. We tried to to merge and triangulate all that data to get a good sense of how many how many children or orphan children would meet the criteria that, that, will, that was set in the regulations uh, uh, and qualify for this grant, which are specifically orphans that are living with family members. Um, and sorry, if we can go to the next slide, thanks. So our projections have indicated that we we, we will have roughly 191,000 children uh and that will increase. So, so we also sort of done an assumption on, in terms of how fast we'll be able, because we have to, all these applications will be sort of through our offices, through the normal application channels. So we did do a projection how many we will be able to do in one one year. And you'll see the numbers gradually increase uh, from about 191,000 uh, from the first year when we implement to about 297,000 at the outer year. As um, we also expect the foster care grants and You'll probably have seen that in our grant projections, which we'll show later. Our foster care grant numbers also come down, so to some extent, we have savings on that. Um, also, just to give you a sense of the numbers, the, 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 the foster care grants are about 1,070 rands at the moment. The CSG is 480, and the top up is policy has been set at 50% of the CSG, which will be an additional 240 on top of the CSG. So in terms of the budget, Treasury has allocated uh, money for us in the second year. At third year, we are quite comfortable, and they've been part of the analysis with us. We've worked quite closely with Treasury, trying to, to be comfortable with these numbers. Um, 
and and the budgets they've given for the second and third year, we, we're quite comfortable that we'd be able to accommodate uh, uh, this 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 uh, particular grant in the first year because we have savings. Um, we, we're projecting to have savings on our overall grant budget in the first year, largely because we have a significant decrease in number in in our old age grant. Treasury hasn't taken away that savings in the first year, and they basically allowed us to keep those savings, and we'll then be using some of that savings to to, to fund the protection of this grant in the first year. We So we're projecting about a, just over 191,000 applicants with first year beneficiaries that will qualify for this that will be able to process in the first year the number may be a little bit less this was the number projected for the full year but noting that we, we had a little bit of delays part of has a little bit of delays in terms of publishing the regulations which i believe will probably be published in the next week or so um so we're about two months behind so this number may be a little bit low but we will we will see what we you know how we can try to push to meet this number uh, thanks, DJ. I'll give it back over to you. Thank you very much, uh, Brenton. Um, Chair, I, I just want, and, and Brenton has provided uh, a really good analysis in terms of the costing that was done for the um, uh, double orphans um, and uh, the extended top up, rather. And I wanted to just indicate that if we can just omit the slide, uh, because it's somewhat contradictory to the previous uh, slides that were presented, there has already been budget allocation uh, and we won't have a challenge. But I wanted to just highlight uh, this point just before I go into this slide that um, we have done, just with regards to the Children's Amendment Bill, uh, Honourable Chair and Honourable Members, we have done uh, uh, costing, a comprehensive costing of the entire Children's Amendment Bill, um, and uh, which is currently before Parliament, of course, uh, but the, our Portfolio Committee on Social Development um, uh, thought it sound uh, that um, we should only focus um, on the clauses that address the comprehensive legal solution uh, as directed by the North Houting High Court um, a, a few years ago. So um, the, this current uh, amendment to the bill is really only focusing on those clauses that deal with the comprehensive legal solution as it relates to foster care only. And what we haven't done is a, a costing only that deals with um, uh, the, the implications on foster care. Um, but we've done a comprehensive costing overall and we can certainly share this information with the uh, with the honorable members uh, should uh, should it be required in in, in greater detail uh, honorable chair i'm going to ask uh, funny uh, the cfo to proceed uh, with the next slide thank you thank you dg and once again good morning uh, funny is acting cfo so just in terms of the prior year expenditure uh, we did fairly well in terms of the our main programs if one looks at this specific slide, the social assistance has got an underspending of 1.8 billion, and it mostly relates when we get to the different reasons. Let me just, uh, DG, uh, just go to the next slide. Just in terms of economic classification, the one I want to concentrate on is these two, two areas. One is the compensation of employees. We had an underspending of 27 million. And I know you're going to say, but yes, you got so much vacancies, but why are you still underspending? The problem that we have here is that in year two and year three, when we look at the 21 MTF allocations for our COE, it actually drops. 
You know, so uh, for year two and year three, we actually got less allocation, and we have to look at our three-year plan in terms of the filling of posts. Um, the instruction from Treasury is quite clear. If you do overspend on compensation of employees, it will be regarded as an authorized expenditure. So this 27 million includes the 11 million that we received additional for our once-off in terms of the cost of living. So if you deduct that, we're sitting somewhere in the region of about 16, uh, 16 million under spending. Now, if you compare that to the number of vacancies we have, it's far, far insufficient to, to cover for all in terms of those vacancies, and that's why we will have to do a comprehensive um, engagement in terms of the current vacancies versus our ceiling that we have for COE. And as I said, if we look at the three-year plan, if we do all uh, fill these vacancies, we might have a problem in year two and year three. Um, Treasury has granted us that we will only do inflation increase of 5% or less than 5% on our ceilings in terms of this, so this will be done uh, in this financial year. The other areas on our households, that is where the social assistance is, the 1.8 billion, uh, billion saving. Uh, Chair, let me get to the next slide where we give the specific reasons in terms of this. So in terms of administration, 99.5%, there's normal staff over that we have, so it's a 0.05% saving that we have. The social assistance, um, there's a 0.8% underspending. There was some savings on our old age grant and child support grants. Uh, we were happy with these savings because we had a overspending on the 350 grant for the previous financial year. The allocation that we received additional in the previous financial year was amounting to about 28 billion additional. However, if we look at the spending for the 350, it was in the region of 32, 33 billion. So because of the savings on the old age and the child support and other ones, we were able to defray some of those over expenditures on the, on the SRD. Then on social security, the area there, it's because of the, the non-establishment of the inspectorate. There's about 20 million that was allocated for the inspectorate in the previous financial year. We had to wait for the passing of the social assistance bill in cabinet. That was done in December last year. So we will do a full-fledged implementation in this financial year in terms of the inspectorate. Welfare services. Um, our footprint in provinces uh, is really was really hampered in terms of the, of this because of the COVID restrictions. So we were doing mostly virtual uh, meetings and, and outreach those time some of the the programs. So we had to we were saving in terms of the of the of the operational cost of this. There were also two or three national councils that we didn't pay in full. Uh, because of there was non-compliance with these councils. However, we have requested these savings. There's a small amount, about $5 million, that we requested um, Treasury for uh, over to this financially, and we will pay these councils if they do comply. Then on our integrated service delivery program 5, there's normal operational savings on events. You'd recall that we've got the youth camps, the outreach programs, the community uh, events, was very visible in the previous financial years, but because of the COVID restrictions, it was also visible, uh, uh, virtual, sorry. 
Then in terms of the, the next one, in terms of the South African Economic Reconstruction and the Recovery Plan, uh, yes, as, as a DSD portfolio, we, pre, we procure goods and services using the triple PFA. In terms of this, uh, we also uh, procure products in accordance with the national development and industrial policies for local production and content. We're looking there at the Department of Trade and Industry. We do target locally produced services and goods and services from locally manufactured goods. We buy from local suppliers, especially our food and uniforms, and then also then target our NPOs, our SMMEs and cooperatives uh, to assist us in terms of the local um, producers. The next slide. So this is what we've achieved in terms of the APP. We've created 176,000 EPWP work opportunities through the EPW sector. We all know about the 18 million social grant beneficiaries that we pay on a monthly basis, which is administered by SASA. We've, we've spoken about the 350 special COVID grant. We also report to the state of the people of South Africa in terms of what we produced. The sector strategy for the employment of social service professionals was approved. The social welfare index report was developed. The policy on income support for 18 to 59 olds was approved. The youth participating in the skills development program. The policy on integrating uh, children grant beneficiaries within government services. The program to link social protection beneficiaries uh, to sustainable livelihoods, that's very important. We just want to don't give people grants, they must also do sustainable development. Then the National Food and Nutrition Security Plan was implemented. And there, the supporting of women-empowered companies, 40% chairperson in the previous financial year. We've actually overachieved this target, although we are hampered by the triple PFA, which is not yet assisting us. We cannot go and advertise and source quotations, um, clearly identifying that we only want to empower women, uh, um, want to employ women empowered. It will be in contradiction with the triple PFMA. It will be illegal, but it also will be irregular. However, if we look at what we've um, appointed in the previous financial year, we've achieved 46% in terms of this target that we've appointed black women-owned companies when we procured our goods and services. Then in terms of the legal, so currently we are not aware of any legal impediments in achieving the economic transformation department from the Constitutional Court ruling. Um, so what we have done, uh, there was an instruction circular by the National Treasury that's um, assisted us in this. So we have uh, to the National Treasury, we have got approval to proceed with about 160 of our projects, which is basically the same as our annual procurement plan that we've submitted the end of, of March to the National Treasury. So they've given us exemption to proceed. Our contracts is in the region of over 200 million currently, uh, and we are in the process to do our terms of reference, getting the, the necessary documentation so we can source quotations and also uh, um, sourcing of tenders. 
Then the last one, uh, DG. Just in terms of the, the question that you raised for renting or owning, so currently we are, are renting um, all the our, our government buildings from the Department of Public Works. Our biggest one there is the HSRC uh, in terms of this. The annual rental lease amounts to about 26 million. That's just for the rental. It excludes now the normal water and electricity. Then we've got one for the Harlequins Office Park that we, well, one of our branches is sitting currently. That's 6.8 million. And then you all know about our GBV, our command center. That's in the region of about 700,000 that we pay on an annual basis um, for these. So none of these buildings are actually owned. It's all rented uh, to the Department of Public Works. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, CFO. Uh, Chair, let me just round up by saying three things. Uh, one, um, uh, the, the, the CFO mentioned in the last slide uh, that none of the buildings that we have are owned. In essence, they are all leased. Um, I just wanted to emphasize the point uh, on the slide that uh, we are in the process uh, through the Department of Public Works and... Um, infrastructure um, to have a precinct. There's about seven government departments that uh, are scheduled to move into a, a precinct in Salvacop, uh, in Tuane, um, and uh, we are part of those seven government departments, and the intention is to move the department and its agencies into one fully-fledged building. So a site has already been uh, set aside for this. Uh, and I think that there will be some sort of turning engagements taking place in the next few days, uh, led by uh, the Minister of Public Works and Infrastructure, and uh, that is going to be a building uh, owned as opposed to be leased. Um, uh, in, uh, of course, it will be built from scratch. So um, a number of aspects are starting to happen already, including bulk infrastructure, and uh, that's where we are moving towards, uh, moving away from the leasing aspect. And then just secondly, the one aspect I wanted to highlight uh, that uh, I think uh, the CFO had made is that um, we have had a very serious focus uh, in terms of uh, supporting youth um, uh, and uh, women and uh, uh, in some cases persons with disabilities. I just want to highlight that we have indeed, as Fanny indicated, overachieved in terms of the support uh, for women-owned enterprises. We've gone slightly beyond 40%, I think, Fanny, right? 46% is where we are sitting, um, despite the, uh, uh, the impediments uh, that uh, we have in so far as policy is concerned. Uh, but we've managed to to ensure that uh, that we're able to do that. In fact, I think SAS has also gone to about 49% or 51%, if I'm not mistaken, um, there. But I wanted to just highlight this part, that in terms of the food and nutrition uh, sort of uh, uh, overarching program, we have what we call community nutrition and development centers. And I think we have just over 231 of these across the country. Um, and uh, what we do in these community food and nutrition uh, development centers, we have ensured that uh, all the local uh, uh, cooperatives and SMMEs um, are the ones who are providing fresh fruit and vegetables to all DC and DC. So we don't export them or import them from various countries or even neighboring provinces. They all come from local uh, uh, communities, by uh, largely supported by cooperatives and SMMEs. And again, just to highlight that we've overachieved on our targets with regards to uh, EPWP. And then lastly, I think the big question, Honorable Chair, that uh, would be asked, um, uh, that I suppose would be lingering in many people's minds, is what is going to happen after March 
2023 when the special uh, social relief of distress comes to an end? I think that's a question, uh, a fundamental question to be asked. And I think I would want to close by just saying that um, uh, our view is that we should look at uh, the possibility uh, of, uh, of additional support, uh, perhaps even through the, uh, the basic income support uh, um, uh, uh, you know the BIG uh, that we are that we will be putting forward, um, uh, and I think that the important thing for us is that we think that this uh, SRD 350 grant uh, is going to be a stepping stone uh, towards uh, a basic income support. It may not be in March 2022, 2023, uh, but certainly in the very very near future uh, is where we'd be looking for uh, to to ensure that we have this in place. So we're already working on the policy aspects around this uh, and. Um, uh, we hope to bring it into fruition very soon. Um, so, Honorable Chair, I think I would leave it at that. Um, and thank you for your patience. And I'm sorry that we've taken slightly longer. Um, uh, but um, I just wanted to thank you, Honorable Chair, for that. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, <clears throat> thank you so much, DG and uh, the, the, the team, uh, for, the, for the presentation. Um, you can take off the, the presentation. From the screen, thank, thank you. Um, yes, I was saying uh, uh, thank you, Minister. Uh, um, you know she's on her way to the doctor. Um, thank you, DG and 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 the whole uh, team who made the presentations. Um, I think we're, where we are going to ask the honourable members. Uh, to make their uh, inputs questions. Uh, you know how we do it, honorable members. Can I get indications of the members who would, like, who would like to engage with the presentation, honorable Peters? Honorable members, I'm, I'm waiting. Matafa. Honorable Matafa. Honorable members. Kaiso. Honorable Kaiso. Any other honorable member? Okay. Um as 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 members come in, let me just check here. Okay. Honorable Peters, uh, please start. Thank you very much. Chairperson, let me start by apologizing for my appearance today because I'm really struggling. Uh, you would know, Chairperson, that I haven't gone a procedure uh, so as to deal with my site. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to thank uh, the department um, led by the minister and like you, Chairperson, indicated at the beginning, really appreciate the availability of the minister every time the committee calls on DSDA and its agencies to appear before the committee. We really appreciate that. And uh, uh, I think uh, it will be also encouraging for the minister to encourage her other colleagues to avail themselves in this way because it is really helpful. My, my, my questions, Chairperson, will be limited because of the situation prevailing. But I want to just ask the minister in the department whether they do have any contingency measures in place to 
try and intervene in situations in the country as situations that were experienced last year with the social unrest in July uh, 2021. And if such situation can happen in future without being a prophet of doom, will the department be able to adequately respond? I know I've just heard about the food banks and other things, but it would be important to know whether the department is working together with other agencies also to make it possible that any possible disaster can be mitigated in terms of a support, a, in terms of relief interventions. But also a, a chairperson, a, considering the fact that climate change is truly a reality that we are faced with, are there any contingency measures employed by the department to provide support to citizens should be a resurface of natural disasters across the country. We have seen what happened in KZN and again the rep- in April and the repetition now in May. In, in KZN, Eastern Cape and parts of, of the, the Northwest. And, and we know that a part of the a free state has also been affected but also, Chairperson, is there any support that the department is giving to victims of gender-based violence? And what role is the department playing in fighting this scourge? We are talking about this because Chairperson would know that in most instances, victims of gender-based violence are the ones that actually find themselves displaced because this thing happens in a family setting, in situations where you would have thought that uh, there is love and care uh, 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 involved. And, and in most instances, women have to run with their children to places of safety. And, and I, I just want to find out if there is something like that. Uh, also, are there any measures in place within the department working together with other departments to avert the increasing number of human trafficking of young girls and women? This sketch is, is, is happening. We have seen a horrific uh, videos of young people. And I would I believe uh, Chairperson, the minister, in working with her uh, sister uh, uh, or other, uh, uh, other, working together with other countries in SADC and in the SAU member states. Because if you look at the videos of women from Uganda, women from Kenya, women from South Africa, who are trafficked, trafficked to the Asian as well as the Middle East countries. It's, 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 it's oh, I'm sorry, Chair. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's, it's actually very horrific. Some of them are promised jobs. Some of them are recruited for drug trafficking. So, and others are recruited, especially the children, for, 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 for organ, uh, 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 I don't know what the word is, this phone has disrupted my thought processes. Chairperson, mm-hmm. uh, lastly, I just want to find out, uh, I had sorry. Uh, organ transplant, I think that's what you want to talk, talk to. Yeah. yeah, yes, Chairperson, thank you, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yes, Chairperson, but also I, I heard the minister and uh, one of the DDGs speak about basic income grant, but I, I didn't get to hear in terms of the process where exactly is the department 
Is the department investigating this particular issue? And is the department about to present uh, to any of the cabinet committees or to treasury or to cabinet a proposal with regard to that? Lastly, Chairperson, you would know that every year when we have public hearings as this committee, we've got Abu Gogo and Abu Mkulu who come and present before us and who uh, complains about the limited nature of the, the, the pension. And we know it's because our poor grannies, a, a minister, you would know that they, they start with uh, paying a, a, a insurance for when they die. They pay the church dues and then they take care of the grandchildren. Even if you can tell them that this is money government gives you to Tengama Sweetie, they will never even go and buy a cold drink for themselves. They tenga ukutla for abandon. And and you would know, Minister, that once the children are getting child support grants, the mothers who are young people actually take this money and use it for something else whilst the children stay in Nabokokonamunkul. So it is important that we hear from you because every year, and I know again this year they are going to be coming to come and present. They are saying they want something like 2,500. We did indicate to them that. One, when they reach 2,500, it will never be enough to cater for what their needs are because they buy from the same shops that we buy from uh, and they buy mostly food that uh, they need to sustain themselves. So I, I, I think the other last one, Chairperson, lastly, the Honorable Kaiso raised the issue of the SRD. Is there a possibility that the SRD grant, based on the fact that it is administered by the department, will be increased beyond 2023? And if so, what are the engagements that the department has already started doing with um, Treasury and other relevant uh, departments, especially the presidency through the DPME? If given an opportunity, I'll come back later, uh, percent uh, As a commercial, Ekaya Batidubab Simlangi. <laughs> Thank you, Honorable Peters. Honorable Matafa. Thank I you very much. Chair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good morning, Chair. Wishing Comrade Boy Speedy recover. Chair, my uh, apologies for arriving late to the meeting. I started in another meeting. I had uh, tabled my apology with uh, Darren. I hope it was noted. It was. Chair, I further request that I keep my video on due to my network being unstable. May I proceed, Chair? Yeah, please keep your, keep your video off. All right, you can proceed. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much, Chair. Now, maybe, Chair, let me start by uh, amplifying the issue that Comrade Dipur has raised around natural disasters. There, my, my question is to find out how, to, to what degree were the operations of the department disrupted by the recent floods in KZ and, and in the Eastern Cape. And, and further to that, uh, the department's budget makes provision for 44.4 million for social relief of distress. Now we all have seen the damage that the disaster has caused of the floods. Has the department performed an evaluation whether this budget allocation will be sufficient to cover all the persons that have been affected by this particular floods. 
one 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 thing Chair, that i'm impressed with is the linkages of um beneficiaries to economic development opportunities and and localization now i just have a overarching question to find out from the department if money was not a problem how best would they suggest that the social assistance that the country is providing can be reformed to address the structural cause of poverty and inequality. Chair, I, I was extensively covered by Comrade Peters on the issue of GBV. I wanted to rise on that. So for now, I'll pause only on those two questions as others have been, have been covered by Comrade Peters. Thank you very much, Chair, and greetings to the minister if she's on the platform and the, the team from the department. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, Orol Matafa. Orol Kaiso. Yes, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Let me also thank the presentation made by the uh, team of the minister. And, uh, uh, Orol Kaiso. David, um, please. Oh, okay, no. I'm saying, okay, let me thank the presentations made by the team uh, led by the minister uh, and also you know, uh, take cue from what Honorable uh, Peters has said in terms of, you know, consistency by the minister and the team uh, for attending uh, the meeting of the Standing Committee on Appropriation, very consistent. <clears throat> so let me start here first and uh, agree with my colleague there that there are a number of areas that, uh, you know, that needs the... Uh, the, the attention of the committee in as far as the social uh, development is concerned. And in fact, let us praise that uh, 18, uh, over 18 million people are able to access this grant. And uh, in the light of uh, poverty and, and, and inequality, uh, such that now that 350 uh, rents at least is able to to bring in a bread and milk and, uh, and, 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 and oil. So, so I think it's very much assistful. Now, it is also important that now, given that uh, the presentation does say that uh, there would be a need, uh, you know, uh, especially on slide 14, uh, that, uh, on the definition of the unemployed, we will run short of uh, to cover 10.5 million people. Uh, if now a, a, a definition of unemployment, uh, unemployment it has been expanded, so it, it does tells us uh, that at least there needs to be a safe position for the department so that it's able to deal with a. Uh, this given situation of an expanded uh, definition of the employment uh, going forward to uh, March 2023, <clears throat> so that uh, there are no hiccups. Uh, at least it should remain a safe position. So if that can be secured, uh, it will be able to assist on what the department is, is, is actually uh, saying, including the uh, inclusion of the 11.7 people. 
Secondly, I want to come on this. Uh, I just want to check from the department. There are one, one million appeals. Uh, it seems uh, extremely a high number that you are to deal with. I don't know, perhaps you have a system which then is able to assist very quickly to assess these appeals such that it doesn't cause any frustration to the applicant. Uh, because uh, one million appeals uh, is it's, it's a very high number. So I just want to get an understanding from the department. Is there any system that you employ such that it doesn't frustrate the applicants? Now, the third one, uh, Honorable Chair, uh, when dealing with the... Also, because we are, we are dealing with the issue which is... Uh, uh, related to poverty, inequality, you know, and unemployment uh, to a greater extent. But then my understanding on poverty is it will always not necessarily remain uh, rents and cents. I just want to check any other outside the 350 other collaborative means uh, by the department, uh, you know, because I, I, I want to believe that the issue of land, you know, there, there might be a low hanging fruit such as availability of land in the different local municipalities that the department is able to collaborate with the local municipalities uh, with particular uh, projects where food zones are being created. Uh, uh, you know, one who don't expect one department will be able to deal with local, I mean, unemployment and poverty. But I'm trying to say outside the rents and cents, dealing with the poverty, it will mean a number of other things that they need a lot of collaborative. For instance, <clears throat> uh, job creation, we understand, it may not be only uh, one side of the, of, the, of the government, but the private sector also needs to come to party. Because the bullying tactics that they are applying in terms of, you know, uh, uh, saying there must be a, a conducive environment created, whereas they are bullying the government by continuously, uh, you know, conducting strike investment uh, in the country, it, it creates a problem. We are looking forward in a situation where our people are able to have easily access to affordable transport on daily basis to can be able to you know, go look for job whilst they are queuing for 350, but then that is become that has become accessible and, and, and very expensive. Uh, we are looking for a situation where it will relieve the unemployed and those that uh, young young people who are unemployed to have access to Wi-Fi, look for job opportunities around the local. I mean, availability of Wi-Fi network in their local municipalities very easy. So I, I'm trying to say, I'm trying to check outside the 350 and, and a broad understanding or, or definition of poverty uh, uh, should be able to you know, cover uh, uh, widely, uh, employing different uh, strategies and tactics to, you know, to, to deal with this uh, issue of you know, uh, poverty having been complicated by the recent poor performance of our economy and the global you know, impact uh, that the pandemic has actually caused. So I'm just trying to say, it won't just need uh, 350 rands, 
as in terms of rents and cents and dealing with poverty. But it would mean let's look beyond beyond 350 and employ other collaborative strategies with other departments, uh, land and agrarian uh, reform uh, programs that are there. So, 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 so yes. So I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to check it <clears throat> now. And uh, I just want to check also on the issue of uh, is the department looking forward for a particular, you know, framework or a deadline at least of, you know, because I'm just afraid, like my colleagues are saying, that uh, March is going to, it's just nearer uh, next year. But have you already started at least looking forward a framework where we say, by this time, at least we, we think we shall have really completed uh, other new means beyond 350 or March uh, 2023, so that we don't have, uh, you are not caught up, we are not caught up in anything, so, so that we are able to stay smoothly beyond uh, uh, March 2022. So, uh, uh, lastly, is, is on the issue that was raised also by Honorable uh, uh, Mataf, say, on the issue of floods. Uh, we, we, I'm not sure whether has the department already begun to make, you know, preliminary assessment in as far as, you know, a, a social strife that has been caused by uh, floods in, 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 in these provinces. Because obviously looking at the, uh, at the, the way the climate change has impacted uh, upon the lives of our people, Mostly the women are the ones who are at the, uh, uh, mostly affect, will be affected in the sense that now they are the ones who was comprising a number of unemployed and they would then have to travel long distance in, in rural areas to look for water, woods, because the social life has been disrupted by floods. So I don't know what a mechanism or assistance is being, you know, uh, being uh, developed to intervene uh, beyond uh, what also the municipalities, local municipalities can do because uh, it, there's a lot of social strife that is going to result as a result of these uh, floods in these uh, specific areas. Chair, uh, I think let me uh, pause at this stage. Uh, thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Kaiso. Honorable Peters, do you want to have a second bite? Honorable Peters? Yes, Chair. Yeah, please, please come in. Okay. I just, uh, Chairperson, thank you very much again. I want to know from the department what intervention they have in place to prevent the abuse of senior citizens and children. And uh, whether they do have sufficient capacity to distribute the SRT grant to the deserving beneficiaries, especially taking into consideration the lessons learned from the previous period and with the challenges they had with, um, what is this, the post office, the long lines at the post office and the challenges that our people used to have uh, uh, with uh, 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 whether when the elements are bad, the, the other thing is with regard to the rising cost of living, has the department considered the need to, to 
take into consideration what COSATU raised about raising this uh, SRD above the poverty line, the food poverty line. That is, for example, 624 a month. And also the, the, the issue, last Jefferson, is related to the number of social workers. Uh, you'd know that the department has been uh, funding social work uh, uh, graduates. And uh, I just want to know how, 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 how much did the department spend on this program and how many of those social workers are now placed in job uh, uh, jobs throughout the country? I remember last year, end of March, the contracts of those who were on contract were terminated. What is the situation prevailing with unemployed social workers, especially if you take into consideration Chairperson? the challenges with regard to the social social ills prevailing in this country. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank, thank you, Oral Peters. Oral Matafa, second bite. Oral Matafa. Honorable Kaiso, second bite. Kaiso. Let, 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 let me come, come in and again thank the minister in absentia. She has, she has, Honorable Matafa. Hello, Chair. Yeah, I was, I was saying, do you, have, do you want to take a second bite? No, Chair, I'm covered. Thank you very much. Okay, then uh, please, please mute then. Matafa. Okay, thank you. Yes, I'm muted, Chair. Thank you. My okay. apologies. No, pro- no problem. Um, I am here, Chair. I'm not in absentia. I've been listening. Sorry. Wow. to so I'm thinking so but in so connector as much as I possibly can. Thank you. Chair. Oh, okay. No, thank, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, <clears throat> No, no. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Minister, for the for the presentation and uh, DG and uh, the, the the whole team. Um, <clears throat> I think can uh, just to um, uh, <clears throat> again stress what the other members have said that uh, Minister, we do appreciate your being here with us. This is a very in, in, important uh, area for us as the committee and as Parliament and as government in general. And question one, uh, DG, I don't know whether I missed this. Uh, please talk to the process of uh, filling uh, the, 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 the post, especially the senior positions in the department and uh, the, the position of, 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 of uh, the, the, direct, the director general. <clears throat> and my next question will be, when are we starting with the, the, the payment of 350 a, a grant, SRT grant. When, 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 when are we, when are we starting? Um, um, <clears throat> the um, the challenge that we we are trying to solve with this is there. It's not waiting for any 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 any, any process. So we appreciate that there should be a screening process, uh, but let's not forget the 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 the, the purpose. So I'm just uh, trying to to check that. 
obviously you have also, you have also looked at how the, the grant performed before in the previous year. Uh, are you able to share with the committee as to how much of that money went to people who were not deserving? The WD pass, people who were, who were working and so on and so forth. If I may focus on the on the next fast recipients, because I, I saw there are a lot of uh, people uh, from 18 years who, who are recipients of the SRD grant. Just checking whether um, is there any possibility that people who are, who are NESFAS recipients are also uh, 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 getting some money from the SRT grant? And uh, lastly, uh, the cost of, of distribution of grants, especially the pensions. You know? um, uh, I don't know whether you, you are you're in a position to share, so we've done the, the comparative studies for instance, how much it used to cost us as a country to distribute a grant then before the new uh, system is uh, was adopted. And um, I think it was Honorable Raiso raised the question of, of the post offices. Um, I've seen a lot of post, post offices closing, especially in the, in the rural areas. What impact has that had on the ability of uh, uh, <clears throat> of SASA to distribute the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the grants. Thank you very much, Honorable uh, uh, Minister and your team. Please uh, respond to those questions. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Um, uh, for the questions and Honorable Members, for all the questions asked, I think um, um, the, the, these are very important and uh, certainly pointed questions. And how I suggest we will respond to them uh, is that we will take each member's questions uh, and respond individually to all members' questions so that we, uh, we don't miss any questions. I'm going to start with Honorable Peters. Um, with regards to uh, there being any contingency plans or measures um, to intervene in situations uh, like social unrest, etc. I just want to uh, highlight, Honorable Peters, um, that um, insofar as um, those situations are concerned, um, firstly, we, we work with... Excuse me. Linton, there's a noise there. I don't know what's that noise. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Sorry, sorry about that, um, Chair. Um, so with regards to the, the question around how do we intervene in so far as um, social unrest are concerned, I think we work with other government departments um, in this space, Honorable Peters, working mainly with uh, the Department of COCTA and uh, Human Settlements. Um, what we are doing currently um, so uh, let me just focus on our interventions. Uh, as you correctly indicated, Honorable uh, Peters, we have food banks. We have what we call community nutrition and development centers as well. Uh, we work very closely uh, with NGOs in that space to provide food relief in the main, uh, including with faith-based organizations 
and um, private sector and I think the main thing that we do there is to provide uh, food relief uh, and support to those people who may be in distress also through our social relief of distress both in uh, Sasa, uh, as well as in the departments of social development across the provinces. Uh, and then when it comes to natural disasters, our focus area in the main is uh, social relief of distress, which is, as I indicated, uh, uh, food. Um, and of course, we do this. Uh, in fact, our social relief of distress is in a hybrid manner where it's food. Uh, it could be food uh, uh, parcels, it could be cash, or it could be vouchers. Uh, and as well as uh, a very serious focus on psychosocial support uh, to people, to victims uh, who have been affected. Uh, by disasters, including their families. We also work very closely with COCTA when it comes to shelters, uh, particularly in terms of providing food uh, and providing support uh, to people in the, in, in the form of um, dignity packs, uh, beds, uh, blankets, and so on and so forth when it comes to uh, those kind of situations. Of course, as it relates to gender-based violence, uh, we do have shelters across the country, although not enough, uh, but uh, we are working very closely with the Department of Human Settlements to try and see how we can um, uh, 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 get more shelters, working also with the Department of um, uh, Public Works and, uh, and Infrastructure Development uh, in the space of shelters. What we have uh, done now, Honorable Chair, and we are uh, just on the shelters issue, we are aware that I think there's about eight districts currently in the country that do not have shelters. Um, and um, we are working very hard to ensure that we have those shelters in those districts, um, particularly for women uh, and children. And of course, we also have what we call uh, Kuseleka uh, centers, which is a one-stop center that essentially houses all government department services, particularly for victims of gender-based violence and femicide. And uh, we're working uh, with the department. Uh, mind if I just, if I can leave my call in front of you, I'll stay, please, man. Sorry about that. Uh, I think there was somebody unmuted. Um, so we are in the process of trying to develop guidelines for the social development sector, uh, Honorable Peters, particularly uh, for our interventions when it comes to natural disasters. Um, and we want to enhance our coordination in this space. So that's an important aspect that we are, we, we are working on now. On the issue of trafficking uh, and working with other African countries, particularly around uh, organ, uh, organ harvesting and what, what did you call it, Brenda? Um, so I think there are one or two African countries, particularly neighboring countries, that we're starting to develop a strong relationship with. For example, we've had conversations with Namibia because we've noticed that people are using Namibia uh, as a trafficking route um, through South Africa into Namibia and then out of Walfus Bay um, on ships. And uh, we have a, a, a we had a discussion with Namibia a few weeks ago uh, in terms of how we can uh, strengthen collaboration efforts um, uh, with them and uh, in this regard, but also working with um, uh, our other neighboring countries, including Zimbabwe, particularly as it relates to children. Uh, it was Zimbabwe, Isabella. It was um, Z not Zambia. It was Zimbabwe. It was Lesotho and. Uh, Swaziland, I think it was, uh, the southern African countries, particularly those that border South Africa, we're having conversations with them, particularly uh, around the trafficking of children. Um, and then I'm going to ask Brenda to deal with the issue around uh, whether we are looking at an increase beyond 2023 um, uh, in terms of the 350 grant as well as the BIG. Where are we? Uh, Brenda? Thank you, Gigi, and, th and thank you, um, for, uh, Honourable Member, for the question, Honourable Peters. The, 
I, I guess let me start from this to say there's acceptance in the country. I think the majority of people in the country accept. Brenda, pardon? You have it your own, please. Oh, I don't know how to do that. Hello. Sorry, sorry, Chairperson. I'm going to move to a place where there's video. Okay. Are you okay now? Yes, um, I hope you can see me now, Chairperson. I see the door. Okay, come back. But, sure. Um, yeah. All right. With the, with respect then to the question around uh, the, the question around the BIG and the 350 extension, the way the department is dealing with the matter is that we are first saying um, the the 350 grant tells us. Firstly, a whole lot of lessons around how to provide income support to people who were previously excluded from the normal social security um, provisions, the, the 10 and a half million, or the, the people between the ages of 18 and 59. So, so this, uh, the, 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 the various iterations have taught us lessons around that. For us, we see this as a starting point or a, a, a ground from which we can build towards a basic income support for all of those people on a more sustainable long-term basis because the current one is a temporary grant. So we think it's important to just build from it. And in, the, the process then is that we are, we are thinking that the 350 has now been extended up to, up to the end of the financial year. In order for us to have a basic income grant or a, a, a more long-term solution around income support in place, what we are busy working, as, as Honorable Peters has been saying, we're working with the National Treasury, with the Presidency. In fact, the work is being done under the, the, the directive of the President that there needs to be a social compact that is developed in order for us to come to a solution around what, what to do beyond the 350 grant. So in that work, the Department of Social Development is quite... Um, quite key in terms of providing some of the technical work that needs to inform the modality that this income support is going to take beyond the 350 grant. So our expectation is that at, at present what we are doing is, remember last year we published some work, um, we had appointed technical experts to quantify for us what the, what the cost might be of a basic income support and what the, um, the sources of funding might be. What we are doing this year, and we are hoping to finish this work by the end of September, we are now hardening the, the, the quantification, but we are also trying to look at, at the provincial level what might be the what might be for each of the provinces the kind of a fiscal requirements and the implications for each of the provinces. We're also trying to strengthen the motivation for why this should happen by also looking at the other interventions that need to be in place, uh, such as potentially if we were to look at um, other uh, labor market interventions that enable more people to get into jobs, what their impact might be. So we want to say the income support is not something that should be considered in isolation of other interventions of government that must also come in to address the issues of poverty. So we are saying in terms of the work that we are doing, firstly the quantification is so much, we think the macroeconomic implications of providing income support at different income levels will be so much um, and then in addition to that, if you were to then combine that with uh, labor market interventions that increase the economy's capacity to, to, to provide jobs, what that might look 
look like. So we are, that's the work that we are doing now with uh, the support of the International Labour Organization, and we will contribute that work into the task team that's working with the social compact. And uh, there are also civil society organizations that are involved in this work who are also motivating for this grant to be, extend, to, to be implemented and for the basic income grant to be increased. So the work will, we, the technical work will finish at the end of September. We are then engaging with this task team with the intent that once we've completed the work, by the way, knowing that Treasury is part of the team, that we will then begin to discuss what might be feasible in terms of uh, the introduction then of a more longer term um, uh, policy proposal in this respect. Our expectation, though, is that even if we finish the technical quantification issues and motivation in this year, in order to implement a, a, a basic income grant, we need to change this current legislation because the current legislation does not provide for a, for a basic income grant. The Social Assistance Act doesn't have such a provision, so we would have to change the legislation. And in order for us to change the legislation, there's a whole process that would need to be taken into account. So while that process is underway, of developing the legislation, taking it through the normal processes and parliament and so on. And then at the end of the legislation, we have to do regulations, which then specify who qualifies and how much they qualify for, etc. So, so we think that period is, is, is the next two or three years in order to do that. But so while we are doing those legislative things, we are proposing, we think that it, it would make sense in the interim to extend the 350 grant beyond the current financial year to allow us to do the other legislative processes without taking money away from the most vulnerable people in the interim. So we are hoping to deal with the problem in that way. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, Brenda, just stay and also deal with the question by Honorable Peters around uh, COSATU, um, the oh, increase yeah. above the food poverty line. Sure, sure. Uh, in, in the ideal world, if there were no fiscal constraints, we would have preferred, of course, not only actually to increase the allocation, the, 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 the grant to, to what COSATU is suggesting, 624, which is the food poverty line, but we would also have wanted to increase the minister's threshold to a higher amount. The challenge that we face is, frankly, the allocation that we have. So, for example, if one were to say, for the 10.5 million people that are budgeted for now, let's increase what we're giving them from 350 to 624, that takes us to almost double the current budget that we have. And so in the absence of that, that's the difficulty that we have. It's something that, of course, would need to be discussed with the rest of cabinet for them to take that decision. Um, sorry, I forgot another question from Honorable Peters, uh, DG, which was around the older persons and, and their request also saying that they should be getting more money. Uh, Yes, I, that's also in an ideal world, we should be giving more. But in fact, one, if one should take into consideration that the, the, the older persons grant is the, is the largest grant that the, the, the government provides. So the, the, the upper, upper income, uh, if, if you look at the, the upper bound poverty line is at 1,400-ish, and this grant is more than that. So the grant that is being given to older persons is more than the, 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 highest food, the, the highest poverty line in the country. It doesn't mean it's adequate. It just means in terms of the, 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 the allocation that's available, it would be very difficult to increase that allocation above that. However, I think it's important to also take note that there are other 
at least for people over the age of 60, one of the things that we are pleased about is that many retailers actually have uh, provisions where they allow older persons to get discounts and so forth. And we would encourage all of our older persons to take advantage of those. But, uh, but also there are other, other services that government provides for older persons in addition to the grant. But it would be very difficult for us to, as DSD per se, say that let's increase the amount. Of course, that, that's what we would lean towards, but it, it's just constrained by the availability of funds in the country. Thanks. Yeah, th thank you very much, Brenda. Yeah, I, I, indeed, I think our position is that uh, should the fiscal space allow, we will certainly be looking towards that. Um, I'm going to ask uh, Isabella to deal with the question also by Honorable Peters around um, what preventative measures do we have against the abuse of older persons and children, senior citizens and children. And then immediately after that, uh, I'm going to ask Kumbula to respond to the question around the cost implications uh, for social workers, um, uh, the cost implications and the number of social workers. Thank you, Chairperson, and good morning, Minister, and all members of the committee. Um, the issue of measures that we are dealing with to ensure that uh, we prevent older persons and senior citizens, I mean senior citizens and children from abuse, I think uh, the basic issues is that when we look at this abuse, where does it happen? It happens within the families and mostly by uh, people who are very close to both the older persons and the children. And it would be members of the families. It will also be uh, people in the community, you know, that uh, older persons and children, you know, uh, are, are very close to. Now, we have policies and legislation that have been put in place. Uh, we've got a policy on older persons. We've got policy uh, that is dealing with issues of children. We've got legislation and the well-known uh, principal legislation for children, which is Children's Act, which is currently under amendment. And basically to strengthen some of the, of the pro provisions with regard to issues of child protection. And we also... Uh, we have amended the Older Persons uh, Act to strengthen the issues of, of monitoring and the issues of abuse uh, chapter, you know, that is in the Older Persons Act. Now, having said that, even though we have this legislation, uh, this uh, 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 abuse is perpetually happening in communities. And therefore, it is very much important that we really deal with the root cause of the problem. In the past, we used to have, you know, uh, very strong structures in the communities where you know, uh, you know that your mother, every every uh, elder elder person in the community Excuse is your mother, me. and therefore you have to. Excuse me, presenters, um, please, please, please. I I I request that you have your videos on. It's 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 a it's a parliamentary requirement, and uh, uh, the communications uh, uh, people are fighting with us if we're having black screens. Can you try to get your video on? Uh, 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 Honourable Chair, sorry, it is on. She's just using my name, uh, <laughs> Linton M. But uh, she's the one who's speaking now. Apologies. No, but, but we don't see anybody on the screen. Oh, I see Lumis. It seems as though it's showing honorable chair. Honorable members, can you can you see the presenter on your side? I can't see them on my side. 
No, 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 Chair. I can't say this side, but I think Chair, maybe it's because they are in the office, they are in the group arrangement. Yeah. Mm. I haven't seen one. Okay. See, let, um, me, let, let me try again. Okay, let's try. Okay, I think I know what the problem is. The, the, the system has got a, a what you call a background on it, so you need to remove that background. Let's yeah. say social development, you need to remove that. Oh, okay, yeah, no, keep it there. So, Chair, this is me speaking. I don't know if it's visible now on my name. We're seeing social development only. There's a Linton M that is showing as well. Uh, is Linton M showing? Only the social development. Oh. Chairperson, uh, um, sorry, this is the same issue I raised at the beginning of the meeting where I I had my camera on, but it was just blank. I don't know whether it's a technical problem on your side or because mine was blank even at the time that I spoke, and mm. yet my camera was on. Can you? Can you? Okay, okay, okay Minister. Um, but okay, thanks. No, no, Ted. But when 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 the the acting DG was was speaking, we've been able to see him. Um, where were you? Chairperson, I think they must mute a social development and unmute um, Linton M. Okay. Because Linton M is muted on the system here, okay. but uh, appear on their own video. So I think they must unmute, yes, then unmute Linton M. Let's see. Try, try. thanks, thanks, Oral Peters. Okay. Is, is that better, Chair? That's it. Ne? Yeah. Yeah, we can see you now. Perfect. Right. Just a second. Just a second. Yeah. Is that better now, Chair? Yes, we can see you guys now. Perfect. You can yes, it's clear now. <laughs> Thank you, Honorable uh, Peters. Uh, Technology is good. I'm going. So, so, Tichi, Tichi, Tichi. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to send one of, of, of my honorable members to the department to try and deal with the, the IT part, IT part. <laughs> but the rest, the rest, the rest are short. That then the invoice is following. <laughs> no, no. Well noted, Chair. We'll welcome honorable Depoviters with open arms. <laughs> Continue, madam. Thank you, Chairperson. Yeah, the point that I'm trying to drive here is that even though we have legislation and policy, Get closer to the mic. Get closer to the mic. Yeah, 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 very faint. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Chairperson, the point that I am trying to drive here is that. Um, Yes, it is very much important for us to have policy and legislative framework that ensure the protection of both older persons and children. However, you know, we need to go back to the basics where we knew when we grew up that it takes a village to raise every elder person in the community is your mother. Even though your mom is not there, you'll have to ensure that you respect each and every person. Now, having said that, uh, as the Department of Social Development, uh, in, in, in the implementation of the acts that we have spoken about, uh, 
under the leadership of both the minister and deputy minister, we realize that we need to go back to the basics. We need to begin to try and resort to social behavioral change programs. Now, what do we mean by that? We need to ensure that we implement those and start with children at an, a younger age. And we are doing that because who abuses the older persons in the community? They are abused by the children, their children or their grandchildren. And who abuses the children in the community? They are abused by those uncles and whoever that they trust in the communities. Now, in terms of the social behavioral change programs, we are beginning to say that let's start the children at, an, at a younger age, you know, to instill, you know, those behavioral, a positive behavioral change within the children so that they grow up understanding that you know they've got those values and norms that they have to, to adhere to. And therefore, that is why we are having a prog. And the other important thing is that we need to ensure that whatever we are doing, we are doing it in an integrated manner. And that is why it is important that we begin to have conversations with very critical people in the communities where the problem is. We begin to ensure that, you know, we engage the structures in the communities. Hence, we have programs such as Asikulume, where it is being led by the minister, and we've got Yolo and, and, and Chomi, that where they are being led by a deputy minister. To Asikulume is saying, let's continue to engage on matters of this nature and ensure that everybody everybody, you know, understand and it gets to into everybody to say that it is not good to abuse children. It is not good to abuse uh, women. It is not good to abuse older persons. So when we start and begin to talk to all the structures, all the critical people, stakeholders in the communities, and then everybody will take ownership and ensure that it is their responsibility to protect both older persons and the children in the community. And the YOLO is ensuring that we start children, you know, at an as early as 10 years to ensure that, you know, we build this uh, 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 culture in children to, to protect their, their elderly. The YOLO stands for you only live once, Chomi, and which targets uh, uh, children from 14 to 19. And Chomi targets children from 10 to 14 years. Now, the issue of engagement is ensuring that we even have, you know, we resurrect all those structures that were in the community. We used to have community policing forum. We used to have neighborhood, you know, uh, programs in the communities where we work together with different stakeholders, your police, uh, subs, and everybody to ensure that, you know, in each, each and every street, you know, there are structures that ensure that, you know, they, they, they watch over what is happening in the community. So it is very much important as the department to continue strengthening this community-based uh, programs uh, in the community to ensure that our children and older persons are protected. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Chair, I'm going to ask Kumbula, and then immediately after Kumbula, I'm going to ask the CEO, Sasa, to respond to, and I'll advise which questions. Go ahead, uh, Good morning, uh, Chairperson, uh, uh, members, honorable members, uh, as well as minister. The honorable, honorable Peters has asked us a question uh, uh, about our spend on social workers. In the last financial year, we received uh, 120 million rents, or rather, let me say, we spent 120 million rents uh, for the employment of social uh, workers. And this was uh, uh, spent across the provinces. 
3,448 social workers were employed uh, as part of this. We, however, still have a problem in that we've got plus minus 9,000 uh, social workers who are unemployed. And for this reason, we have developed a strategy, which is a sector strategy for the employment of social service professionals. We are engaging with all the relevant departments on this. And uh, our plan is to uh, come up with a bid uh, to national treasure. And in terms of that bid, we want to employ all those social, uh, uh, social workers and distribute them, both in the department and the sector, as well as uh, all the social service uh, sector departments. So, so that's basically the plan. So that <clears throat> engagements are quite advanced at this stage. We have been receiving uh, information from various uh, departments in terms of the numbers that they would require uh, for each of those departments. And then once that is finalized, we will finalize our bill. And probably in uh, June, July, uh, of course, subject to National Treasury agreeing, uh, we will then uh, absorb all of them. Thank you, Chief. Um, th thanks, Kumbula. I'm going to ask the CEO of SASA. Uh, CEO, and you may also, uh, after you've responded, to, uh, you know, ask whoever uh, you want to respond just on the question by Honorable Peters um, around the capacity uh, for the payment of social grants. Thank you very much, DG. Uh, Chairperson, thank you very much for making us part of this engagement and honorable members. The, the issue that was raised was regarding the capacity of us being able to manage the one million applications that are actually uh, in the process for us to be able uh, to pay those people that have uh, uh, done a request uh, based on the fact that they, from their perspective, they are not employed, even though from the databases that we have actually assessed them through, they are, they are, they are said to be uh, committed uh, or working in one area or the other. Uh, Chair, what we need to highlight is, is that we're engaging with the department to look at how we can make this assessment actually in two tranches so that we can make sure that uh, this is a, a process quickly. As you may be aware, when it comes to 350, we don't actually use the manual process. These are automated. So the only part that is currently outstanding is for us to make sure that we get the banks to validate uh, the, the million clients, which should not take a long because these issues are actually system uh, generated. So this is not going to take long. Our intention is to make sure that we process these together with all the applications that we've received in the month of, of June so that we can start, start the payment. Uh, that is as soon as we've done, uh, signed off the, the, the contracts with the banks uh, so that we can do the payments immediately after the payment of our normal uh, social grants. Diane, I don't know if there's any addition, uh, both you and, um, and Branton, that you would like to add. Thanks, DG. Thanks, CEO. Um, Diane, if you're coming in only on the questions laid by Honorable Peters, and, and Brenton, uh, which is around the capacity for grants, because I want us to deal with each member's question so we don't miss any. You want to add to what the CEO has said on that? Thanks, DJ. Just, okay, just, if Diane wants to go, let Diane go. 
Sorry, Brenton, continue. Thank, thanks. Um, let me just turn my cam camera on. Um, uh, sorry, Brenton, maybe, maybe let me suggest that we do this, right? Take the question by Honorable Peters, but let's also go to the question by the chairperson around when we're starting the payments of grants. Uh, how much was uh, fine, uh, fraudulently sent to undeserving people, particularly NESFAS? And then let's also deal with the distribution of grants uh, in terms of comparative studies. And then I will come in also on the question of the chair, and then we'll go to the next member. Go ahead. Thanks. Thanks, DJ, and thanks, uh, Chairperson, Uncle Chairperson. So I, in terms of system capacity, I think the CEO covered that, that quite extensively. As she mentioned, most of the system is driven digitally. A big challenge uh, has been around trying to get uh, this new element around means testing through the bank. A lot of that has been sorted out. We, in the course of the current week, we've pretty much concluded uh, most of our agreements with the banks. Uh, and we're now starting to clear that 1 million appeals. We believe we'll probably be able to clear that 1 million appeals in the next two weeks or so. And so that should then bring a lot of relief to those, those uh, as the chairman mentioned, um, those people have been waiting quite a long time for those appeals to be sorted out. Um, same challenge is facing us with the payment of the 350 grant from the applications. Uh, noting that we opened the system at the end of April, towards the end of April, um, again, because as Brenda mentioned in, a, in her presentation, in this new round of, a, of, of, of assessments, we're not only going to assess the 350 against the appeals. So in other words, we're not only going to test the bank income um, uh, on, against the threshold for those who appeal, but we're going to test everyone up front, which should, should enable, uh, you know, for us to have a lot less errors in terms of inclusion or exclusion. So we should be, begin to reduce the inclusion exclusion errors significantly. That also is dependent, was dependent very largely on the contract that we had with uh, getting those contracts in place with the relative banks. That mentioned, as I mentioned, that those contracts are in the process of being concluded uh, in the current week. I think this is one or two banks that are still outstanding. Um, and as soon as we finish the million appeals, we'll then immediately begin assessing the, the April and May applications. Um, but noting that we don't necessarily pay the SRD grant at the same time that we pay the, the, the normal social grants, because um, that would overload the banking systems. Uh, um, so we're looking at that second week, just after the round about the 12th of June, uh, sorry, the 13th of June or so, that we will then begin payments for the 350 grants um, uh, for the April and May applications. On, in terms of comparative studies, I think, you know, in terms of the normal social grants, we have our costs in paying the normal social grants have significantly reduced from, say, uh, about five years ago, we about, you know, the, the administrative cost was about 5% of the total amount paid in grants. That has come down to about 3.5%. With the, with the additional 10 million, 10, 10 million people, uh, which, which we're paying on the, on the three for the, for the social relief of the stress grant, that is almost negligible. Our cost on that is extremely small relative, the administrative cost on that is extremely small uh, relative to to, to the other other social grants that we're paying. But again, that largely relies on us using digital systems. If we were to implement the human factor into that, that would significantly change 
Um, I think, oh, sorry, I mean, the money, the possible money that we've lost. At the moment, uh, we haven't yet finalized the figures, but at the moment, we're looking at uh, around about 105 million. That does include a few NSFAS people that have uh, that have slipped through, but you know. So, so the problem is that we have, or the challenges we have with some of these databases, as the CL mentioned, they're not always most up-to-date databases. And when they do get the up-to-date databases, we find a, a couple of people slipping through that we then have to go and raise debts again. So we try to recover some of, to try to recover that money. So we are looking at a figure of around about 100 million, but just to put that in context, that is less than, that's that's about half a percent of our budget. Uh, so it's not a, it's not a, it's, it sounds like a big number, but in terms of the total amount of money that we're dealing with, it is a very small fraction of that money. Um, and, and and as we you know as we discover these as we find people that have, may have slipped through we do then go and, and try and recover some of that money from 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 those people thanks DG. Uh, thanks thanks Princeton. thanks Princeton. Hello. Hello. Yes. You have to drop the volume and mute the CV where he's. Uh, uh, thank you, Chair. Diane, do you want to come in and add to that? No, thanks, DG. Covered. Thank you. So, sorry, Diane, do you want to come in or are you sufficiently covered? All covered. Thanks, DG. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks, Chair. Then let me respond to your question, Chair, around the DG post, I think, uh, and other uh, posts. Where we are right now is that um, we're engaging with DPSA um, uh, for advertising, and I think that we'll be doing that in the next few uh, days. Uh, I probably, I, I think it's going to be in June. Uh, and then with regards to the other posts, we are just finalizing uh, the coordination of diaries uh, for the members of the panel. Uh, so that we can get those underway because those were already advertised. Uh, it's just a matter of the interviews taking place. Um, then with regards to the question asked by Honorable Kaiya, uh, sorry, Kaiso, my apologies. I think we've already uh, responded, uh, Brenton has responded around the appeals issue. I'm going to ask, uh, let me deal with the collaboration with government departments, which I think is an important question. Uh, I think there's a lot of work that we're doing uh, with the Department of Agriculture, particularly as it relates to food and nutrition, the food and nutrition strategy. Um, and I've already spoken about one or two things, particularly with regards to the community nutrition and development centers. There's some work we're doing also around sustainable livelihoods in that space. And I think that's a very targeted poverty alleviation program. Um, and I think um, uh, the other department we are working with is a, a public uh, pu a Department of Public Works. Uh, give me that paper quickly. Uh, and infrastructure, um, as well as the Department of Basic Education, Health, um, and uh, Arts and Culture, uh, Sports, Arts and Culture, and Provincial Departments of Community Safety, particularly on uh, areas around EPWP uh, and providing support within the social sector um, within uh, for, for EPWP. And then, of course, what we're trying to do now, uh, and we are, this is still very much in conception mode, um, uh, is we are working with COCTA around the issue of homelessness um, so that we are able to uh, provide better support to uh, uh, people who are homeless. Uh, and then, of course, with the Department of Human Settlements, um, there is a project that we are trying to run there 
um, uh, and it's around special housing needs uh, so that we are able to um, uh, 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 crowd in support for um, uh, uh, special housing needs, particularly around uh, shelters, uh, old age homes, uh, and a number of other uh, uh, um, uh, um, centers that we work with. We have a very strong infrastructure program as well that we have working with um, a number of organizations um, and, and, and departments uh, around the, 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 the establishment of, of infrastructure. And then um, there's some work that we we're going to be starting to be doing with small business development around the support to cooperatives, uh, but also with their agencies, uh, with the NDA, uh, um, the National Development Agency, as well as uh, the Small Enterprise Development Agency and the Small Enterprise Finance Agency, which are all measures really to support uh, um, up and coming entrepreneurs and SMMEs and startups in the main. Uh, we're going to be having a very focused program around social entrepreneurship to really try and get people out of um, uh, poverty and much more uh, into uh, sustainable livelihoods where they are able to uh, both solve problems in their communities but also create employment for themselves and those uh, around them. Um, let me then go to the, the, the question by Honorable Claiso uh, Brenda, if you could speak to the definition around expanded uh, uh, employment. I think if you can quickly deal with that and then we'll go to the last member immediately after that. Thank you. Thank you very much, DG. So the question that was posed uh, was regarding the, the, the slide, I think it was slide 14, that dealt with the way in which we are defined. We were talking, we were talking about the numbers of people that are accessing the grant vis-a-vis -vis what we think are the numbers of people that need the grant. Um, in this respect, Honorable uh, Matafa, uh, the question, I mean, the numbers that we're replacing, the 11.7 million that I was saying is the number of people who are unemployed in terms of the, the expanded definition. So Stats SA uses two definitions of unemployment. One is the narrow one, which has a smaller number of people that are, that are, that are unemployed. And then the expanded one is basically taking into account people who have also given up looking for work. So when you add the, the number of people who are unemployed and are searching for work, and then those who are who have given up searching for work because the cost and the fact that they are not getting the jobs, then you come to that 11.7 million people who are unemployed. And so we were saying the allocation that we've got has only given us money for 10.5 million people. But in fact, if we were to take into account the number of people who do not have any income because they are not working, and include those people who are also not even searching anymore, then we should actually be providing for 11.7, at least 11.7 million, but the allocation that we've got is below that. Therefore, there will definitely be people who are needing income, but are not necessarily going to be funded because we just don't have the sufficient funding for them. That's the, the, the explanation that I was giving there when I was raising the issue of uh, the, the expanded definition of unemployment. Do you know the issue of people not in employment, uh, the niche yeah. group of people? Uh, not in education, employment, and training. Yeah, the, the, the issues of the issues of unemployment, the issues of poverty, especially when you look at youth, is a very serious problem. In that you also have people who are not in employment, not in education, and not in training. The need group of of youth, the the people between the ages of um, the eighteen, I guess, and to uh, below thirty five. That age group. And it, the, the percentage of that group that is unemployed is even much larger. Mm. It's around. Closer to 60, 70% of that group 
is unemployed and is also not in not in what is it not in education and not in training and we think that that's a very dangerous situation for any nation because it means that we are not taking advantage of the what 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 is called the youth dividend uh, and and therefore to the extent that they are not exposed to opportunities it means that they are not really able to really enable the economy to grow to make their contributions in their contribution in the economy, which for us is a very big problem. I think this TG leads to the question that uh, Honorable Matapa also asked around our understanding of poverty and the, the is there anything else that we can be doing beyond the 350? And yes, if, we, if, if there was no financial constraint, I mean, if there was no financial constraint, we'd like to implement the, the basic income grant tomorrow and give it any, make it universal to everyone so that we reduce exclusion errors. We will make sure that everybody gets it. But then, then of course, we would have to look at ways to recoup from people who are not needing that basic income. In that case, then the, the tax system would have to be revised to make sure that the money that uh, is given to people who don't need it gets recouped. But the primary thing, that's the best thing. But to our mind, we don't think that would be adequate because our understanding of poverty is that it's not only about money, it's not only about income. Poverty manifests itself in different ways. In addition to income poverty, there are other types of poverty that require other interventions on top. So for example, if you think about um, capability poverty, which is the, the lack of access to, to, to education, to training, to, to employment and so on, we would want to have interventions that also deal with that. So the contribution of the education department, for example, basic and higher education is very important in addressing issues of uh, capability poverty. So that linkage and, and access to employment, for example, is also another element of ensuring that you are dealing with a, a different manifestation of poverty. So you'd want to have a different interventions, what is called the social protection uh, basket of services that must be provided by the country. So DSD has a role to play not only in income poverty as far as the grants are concerned, but also in other interventions that enable people to be able to access jobs, to access training, to access other uh, economic opportunities, but also even the interventions that are done in terms of welfare services, where we deal with issues of gender-based violence, we deal with issues of uh, child protection, all of those things, because children who are not looked after, who are not cared for, children who are not protected can end up ending up in a, in a vicious cycle of poverty, deprivation, and so on, which affects their long-term development, their ability to also contribute and grow in the economy. So, so we want to have a multiplicity of, of interventions, but for, for, for the 350 grant, we want to add it to linkage to, to linkages to other opportunities such as education, such as training, and that is why we are doing those uh, uh, agreements. Sasa is working on these agreements with the Department of Public Works, also with the um, Department of Employment of Labour, so that people, as we gather the information about them, we know some of them have, have graduated, some of them have worked in certain places. We want to make sure that they don't only live on the 350, they don't only live on a grant, but they are also able to access other opportunities to augment or increase their standard of living. That's the interaction that we that we see going forward. So that is not only just the grants. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, yeah. No, thank you, thank you, thank you very much, Brenda. Um, and thank you for already getting into Andrew Matapa's questions. Um, um, a, a very difficult question to answer, I must say. Uh, if we had more money, uh, how would we manage? But let me get to Honorable Matafa's last question uh, that he asked, um, which is essentially around our interventions uh, in the current disaster 
uh, that we are that that we are having, and more so in the Eastern Cape and uh, KwaZulu Natal. I think there's about five very specific areas, maybe six, that we focus on as a DSD portfolio um, that we've already intervened in and made this a, a significant. Uh, intervention, I want to believe, as an entire portfolio. Uh, firstly, we participate in all the structures um, uh, that are established, whether at the provincial level or at the national level, as it relates to uh, the, the, the floods and as it relates to disaster management through COCTA and the Disaster Management Center. And I think um, the, the, the specific areas has been around psychosocial support, has been around uh, food relief um, uh, and, and support, uh, particularly in shelters. Uh, but also to individuals through SAS's Social Relief of Distress Grant um, um, and the departments uh, of social developments. In every provincial department, there is an allocation for social relief of distress uh, over and above uh, what SASA has uh, as an allocation in various provinces for social relief of distress. Um, uh, but also um, we are working within the context of the, um, the disaster management center and uh, with COCTA around, and we're still, you know, this is still very new for us. We're still working on this around the humanitarian support uh, and donor coordination. Um, and I think uh, we've had very sub, sub, uh, significant contributions by a number of embassies, including the Chinese embassy, as well as uh, the Qatari embassy, which uh, the minister, uh, together with the minister of Durko and the minister of um, uh, a cocktail will be receiving support uh, from, uh, from, from, from the Qatari uh, government in the coming days, I think on Sunday, uh, and a number of other embassies, um, uh, NGOs, um, uh, uh, faith-based organizations, as well as uh, uh, private sector, and of course individuals in most cases. Um, so we, we are really working within the context of humanitarian support uh, and donations. And then uh, one of the other areas we've noticed within the context of shelters is the challenges around um, that they experience currently in the shelters, and this is in the main uh, uh, where uh, everybody sleeps in one center, for example. We're trying to find ways and mechanisms to ensure that we don't have, um, you know, further disasters post that, whether it be rapes, whether it be teenage pregnancy, uh, gender-based violence, and so on and so forth. So we are trying to find a feasible way of getting everybody um, uh, supported within the context of shelters. Again, we are focusing on children in terms of the challenges that they may face, uh, but also uh, on uh, on women in particular. Then I must just say that um, we are uh, the U the United Nations Development Program (UNDP) um, is currently um, uh, doing a what we call a needs uh, a rapid needs analysis or needs assessment uh, to determine uh, the impacts of the disaster and what would be required both in, both in terms of financial implications but also in terms of uh, general services and support that would be required by by people, and we are going to be participating uh, with the UNDP, working with the UNDP in that regard, in terms of that needs analysis uh, or assessment that will be done. I think, um, uh, Honourable Chair, I want to believe we've responded to all questions, and I hope we have not left any. We deliberately wanted to deal with questions member by member, so we don't miss anything. I think I'll leave it at that, Honourable Chair, and thank you very much uh, once again. Um, thank you so much, uh, uh, Team DG, uh, with your uh, with, with with your team. Before I close, uh, oral minister, do you want to say anything? Thank 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 you. Um, but uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Minister, and, and your team, and DG, and everybody who took time to engage with the uh, with with the score. That's very important for us as uh, we deliberate on the appropriation uh, bill. Um, and uh, would like to wish the, the, the department very well uh, uh, with all the disasters which are coming up, um, uh, cost of living going up and so on. 
I think your 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 role uh, becomes even more important. But thank you very much, Darren. Uh, do we have any announcements? Jefferson, um, yes, next week we'll be having public hearings on the appropriation bill. That's on Tuesday and on Wednesday we'll have public hearings on the second adjustments appropriation bill. Um, I will send the notice along with the submissions that have been made um, during the course of the day. Thank you, Chair. Thank you so much, Darren. Uh, once more, thank you very much, all members. Speedy recovery, Comrade uh, Tipu. Um, yeah. And uh, let me wish all of you on the platform a, a very good. A very good. Okay, thank you. Uh, wishing everybody a, 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 a beautiful uh, weekend. Thank you very much. Uh, the meeting stands adjourned. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Chairperson. Thank you, Thank you, everybody. Recording stopped. Thank you very much, Chair.